o'clock on a Saturday. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday morning. It's the Murph and Fred Show. Starring Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, and featuring Sean Davis. Now here's your host, Murph and Fred. Hey, morning everybody. How you doing? I'm Mike Murphy. You are? I am Fred Hubner. Hey, I recognize you. Uh Uh-huh. Good to see you and have... uh, uh, have a nice Saturday uh, in plan for yourself, but be sure you leave about three hours every Saturday. Nine till noon, Murph and Fred. All right, Fred, last to do. Jesse Rogers going to jump in live from Cincinnati. Uh, I promised him we won't ask him about the Skyline Five-Way Chili. That's then he fine. said, all right, then I will yeah. come on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Cubs talk, Sox talk, and lots of Bears talk after Jesse. Say around 1030, Dan Wiederer said he'd check in. Uh, the Bears final open to the public. If you're not there by now, you're probably too late if you're trying to get to Bourbon oh, A. Yeah. Uh, 8.15 this morning. Dan Wiederer is going to check in. Thanks, Dan. After practice or around 10.30 or so. Uh, let's see. And between now and noon, Fred, we're going to pepper in a lot of things, such as <laughs> this, I just saw this this morning. Coming on in on the Metro. I said, this is Fred. He, he and Brooks Boyer must have got together on this. Well, one. you know, they're, they're, they're wising. You know, they've been doing this for a couple <laughs> of years, having really, really good beer uh-huh. on the south side at guaranteed rate. Yeah. Now they're going to take it one step further. Well, here it is. White Sox inaugural uh, Shy Sox Craft Beer Fest. That's got your fingerprints all sure over it, Fred. Saturday, September 14th, on a non-game day, right? The uh, it'll be the first craft beer festival held uh, within the uh, park there, guaranteed rate on a non-game day. Cool. Uh, 35 or more uh, breweries from the Chicago area. That's nice. I hope you can make it. Yeah, so do I. It's yeah. uh, it's on September fourteenth, right? Yeah, Saturday. Yeah, yeah, September fourteenth. The White Sox are actually uh, in Seattle, mm. uh, so you can have a few beverages and then <laughs> go home and sober up and then watch the White Sox game that night. How about the Oakland days? That's a nice road trip. You know, you it gotta, sure is. You got to spend all your time, you know, half your uh, life out there in Oakland, which I've never been to, so I guess I shouldn't I say have. anything. I have. And then you not only are coming to play the Cubs interleague, right. then you play the White Sox, so you got... And you get a day off. So you got like seven days yeah, in Chicago. You come in Monday, you go Monday, <laughs> Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah. uh, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday afternoon, then right. you have... You have Wednesday night. Okay. You have Thursday. All day is an off day. Then you play an early game on Friday. So you got Friday night. And then you got Saturday and Sunday. So now, now yeah, that'd be a great, time. great road trip if you're an Oakland A's Perfect. Fan. And there, are, there are a lot of Oakland A's fans who are in town. I saw yeah. walking around the other day when I was here with Waddle, and uh, you saw them strolling around town. And uh, I'm sure they're still out here today. And uh, they beat the heck out of the White Sox yesterday. Now speaking of great fan trips up in the uh, our pre-show love fest upstairs, you pointed out for a Cub fan after the Cincinnati trip right now. The Cubs are in Cincinnati, so if you drove. There, there, off day Monday, then what do you have? Then you go to Philly okay. for three days. You've made that uh, auto, yeah. auto trip, right? I made the trip from here to Philly, so right. you can make it from Cincy to Philly. Oh, I think you're so. Already, you're already four and a half hours towards it. Towards it. Then, after the three uh, Philly games, uh, at Pittsburgh. At Pittsburgh, so you're on your way back. On your way back so home. Per- it's great. It's a great, great trip. I wonder if they do this every year, because if, if not, yeah. they probably don't do it too much. <laughs> but, you know, obviously, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, they probably 
probably working together, which is pretty close together, so that's not bad. Yeah, so Friday, Saturday, Sunday right now at Cincinnati, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at Philly, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they play the Pirates at Pittsburgh Friday, Saturday, but then where's the game Sunday on yeah, your way home? It's a Little League, uh, you know, at Williamsport. Right there. Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Nice little small little ballpark. Home of the Little League World Series. I'm thinking, so the foul lines are 180 feet? No. no, Yeah? No. no. And, and center field's 200. No, that's not how it's going to work. <laughs> They're going to play, play in a ballpark. It'll be the third game that was played at this ballpark there. Yeah. And uh, it, it looks like a minor league park with the... Uh, you know, the the uh, billboards on the outfield 8, 000, wall and things 8, 000, like that. did you say? Well, 8, I don't know. 8,000 is for the other one. Oh, that's I'm, Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams is going to be 8,000. Dyersville. And we'll talk about that, too, because maybe some of the White Sox players are listening and they uh-huh. can actually take the time to watch the movie. Well, one did, right? Giolito. Yeah, Giolito knows the movie, but none of these other guys know the movie. Dylan Cease was trying to play it off like, oh, I can't remember the character I like. Yeah, you know, I never saw the movie. They weren't What's born wrong yet. with these guys? Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? A lot of people, a lot of things I watched that were done before I was born. Yeah, gone and with the wrong wind. with these people? Why, you know, to be honest, I never you saw were gone around, with the wind. You were around then? Yeah, I was, but I never saw that either. <laughs> so I guess I shouldn't yell at them. All right, we've delayed the inevitable. Let's talk about last night. Bears talk just around the corner. In fact, hey, Big Bad Sean, uh, load me up here on some Twitter poll music when you can, my friend. We do have to give you one Bears note that's important. Oh, Trey Burton? Trey Burton is on the field. He is dressed and on the field practicing, so that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about why in, in a little bit. All right. And when Dan Wiederer joins us, we'll see how that practice went. If, in fact, Dan is allowed to tell us. That's right. Because of the rules the uh, Bears put out there. Let me tell you something. The tight end, and we'll get into Bears in a few minutes, Fred. The tight end position. If Trey Burton can't, where's my what if, pal? What if Trey Burton, you know, not able to, you know, be there? Yeah. Suit up. Well, then help. they better find another tight end quickly. They're in big trouble. Yeah. And we'll break that down. What the key uh, a part of the offense of Matt Nagy is the, uh, the or, tight end. Or maybe they don't need to find another tight end. They got one right there from Hinsdale Central, Ian Bunting. Uh-huh. So, you know, he had uh, three catches for 77 yards. So that was nice to see. So, All right, let's take a look at a few of our uh, Twitter poll questions. Vote now at ESPN 1000. Let's see here. Will the Bears trade a player for a tight end by week one, by opening week? Uh-huh. Yes or no? Very simple question. I was going to do something with the kicker, but I understand the station has an embargo on kicker talk. Well, no, I mean, Yurko did it yesterday. He had an embargo till 2.20. Oh, it was just for an hour. Yeah, oh, I thought it was Yurko. the whole station. Uh, uh, Yurko did it yesterday <laughs> at about 12.15. He no, said, we're embargoing good. it till 2.20. Yeah. And Carmen said, well, what if what if we want to talk about it? He uh-huh. says, hey, he says, I've embargoed a lot of things in this station, and uh, they, they do it anyway. So, <laughs> All right, so... Uh, vote now at ESPN 1000. Will the Bears trade a player? I'm not saying draft pick here. We're not saying that, friend. No. Trade a player for a tight end by week one. Yes or no? Uh, next, Bears fans. If you can only have one, all right, which is more key for your kicker? Accuracy or distance? All right? Okay. Obviously, the answer is both. But I didn't put that down. No, it's right? not there. So... Think a little bit about this. I'm not sure. I, I I entered this about 8 p.m. yesterday. I still don't know how I'm going to vote. Okay. So that's why I want you to vote at ESPN 1000. And let's see. Let's throw in a baseball uh, Twitter poll right now also, okay? Should... Uh, 
Should MLB totally ban non-pitchers from pitching okay. in Major League games? Yes or no? And there's a lot of layers to this onion. There sure is. Okay, just pull back a little bit. Oh, you know what I've embargoed on my own? Pump the brakes, that's gone. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You don't like pump the brakes? Well, when did anti-lock brakes come out? About 20, 30 years ago? Yeah, so you don't pump the brakes anymore. Correct. Right. In fact, the worst thing you can do now (laughs) in the last 30 years is... Pump the brakes. There you go. Yep. Over your skis is going to be next on my uh, okay. List, let the record show I've never used either of those. But I have used outkicked your coverage quite often. That's okay. Yeah, that one's still good. So all right, that's usually about uh, someone's uh, marital uh, exactly partner. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, basically saying the guy's right. not nearly as handsome as his wife is pretty. <laughs> okay. I was going to talk about that old song from the 50s, but I, I just decided it probably wouldn't be appropriate. Yeah, plus there's no singing allowed. Right. Yeah. Remember, if you want to be happy for the rest of your life, right. okay, that's enough. If you know it, you know it. If you don't, you don't. So, uh, all right, inevitable. White Sox, White Sox lose, Cubs lose. Fred, uh, your White Sox, 7 to nothing. This could be a real quick recap. The White Sox offense is impotent. Mm-hmm. They cannot do anything. They are miserable. <laughs> Garcia, Goins, uh, Jay, uh, Skull, Cordell. It, it's a miserable, miserable offense. I thought MLB banned the Skull. Of, yeah. Isn't that a, a chewing tobacco? Yeah, someone should tell Jose Abreu this because I'm concerned for him. I know. And his long-term future. It seems like more than ever. Yeah, his long-term health. I'm I not, know. I'm concerned about it. It just seems a, like he's only, chew, he's only chewing when he's coming to the plate. Just a pinch between your cheek and gum. That's more Remember than, that old that's one? About, that's about baseball size. Uh-huh. So I'm concerned about that. But, uh, yeah, the White Sox couldn't do a thing against Fires. And I, they, they can't hit him ever. And they only had four hits yesterday in a miserable game. Uh, Detweiler didn't pitch all that bad. Gave up just two homers, one in each of the first two innings. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then it was just 2 nothing all the way till the eighth inning. And then Oakland scored five runs off the bullpen. So uh, a bad, bad game. And, uh, you know, the Oakland A's are a good team. And then after the A's... You know, they have another good team coming in, so it's going to be tough for the White Sox. After a nice road trip, after a nice 5-2 yeah. and two road trip, they went to Detroit and did what you were supposed to They're do. They're doing Apple with the Cubs. They're yeah. winning on the road. Yeah, they took care of Detroit on the road. Uh-huh. And uh, then they come home and they play like garbage. That Nick Castellanos is, a, is an interesting dude, interesting cat. He must, not... he must lose all the buttons to his jersey because he's <laughs> it's constantly buttoned down to about his, his mid-chest. Did you hear him? We'll get to that. He's, a, he's one of the more interesting, in a bizarre way, interviews you'll ever hear. He keeps things short, succinct, yeah. to the point, but interesting. I felt bad for Len and uh, Jimmy Deshaies earlier this week. The player of the game deal, you know, down yeah. in the field. Yep. Where usually uh, Kelly's down there, or, or uh, you know Jesse if it's right. at Channel Seven, and for some reason there was nobody down there, so uh, they were interviewing him, hero of the game, star of the game, after the game, from up in the booth down, and he's got the headphones on, and uh, he wasn't really the type of he's not a long answer guy, right? But he he's thoughtful. Okay. So I just tell you what I don't. Yeah, I didn't see it. I didn't see the. I, I didn't see the interview with him. He said this, but that's cable, so maybe the FCC. I better ask you after before oh, okay. we take next break. Okay. Uh, three three two three seven seven six. Vote right now. 
should MLB totally ban non-pitchers from pitching in games? Yes or no? Bears fans, if you can only have one, which do you vote for uh, the key to your kicker, accuracy or distance? And uh, yes or no, will the Bears trade a player, not a draft pick, for a tight end by week one? Maybe I should have wrote have to or be forced to. Let's go to uh, Pilsen. Southsider Rudd is his name. Is that you, Rudd? It is, sir. How are you? Fine. It's Murph. I'm not sir, and it's Fred. <laughs> Maybe Fred is sir. No, never. What's up, guys? Okay, so when you're the monsters of the midway and, you're, and your defense is always the identity of your team, the answer to your question, there are two schools of thought. Here's my school of thought. Mm-hmm. I was born in Born in 86, my first ever memory is celebrating the Bears Super Bowl. The answer to your question directly is accuracy, accuracy, accuracy. Mm-hmm. Because if you give the other team a, a short field, your defense is better off to put you it, into the red zone next time. The other school of thought is we play in bad weather. So if you have a long field goal, then you have a shorter field. Your defense is going to defend the red zone better. But that's only for a few games, not as many games. And you have road games. So the answer is when, the, when the, your identity is defense, the answer is accuracy, accuracy, accuracy. Well, I, agree, I agree with you. Well, let, let me go. Uh, you bring up the defense. I'll, I'll throw this back at you, Rudd, then I'll spring you on your busy day. Thanks for checking in. Here is one of the Twitter okay. polls. Hang on. Here's one of the Twitter polls I was going to lay out in a little while, but since you brought it up. Now, you were uh, born uh, but, uh, back in the day of uh, 1985 Bears. Yeah. You, you've heard about them, though, and you know they had the best defense, many say, in the history of football. Here's the question, Rudd, and there's no right or wrong answer. Can the current Bears, the 2019 Bears defense, can they dominate the NFL like the 85 champs dominated defense the NFL? I'm not saying will they be as good as the 85 Bears defense. I'm saying can they dominate? For the question, I fully understand the question. Are you asking objectively or are you asking as a Bears fan who has seen Bears teams <laughs> overachieve on defense? I don't know. I didn't put that much thought into it. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Because it's the Bears, because we have guys like Eddie Jackson uh-huh. and Leonard Floyd and the, Ma- and the Mac Daddy and Akeem Hicks, I think we can do just the same thing that 13-3 and three team did with Brian Urlacher, hmm. but now we have a quarterback that might win the Super Bowl for us because they'll fuck down and run with it. Um, and we had those defenses after 85 mm-hmm. with Urlacher anchored by Ted Washington and Keith Trailer and Mike Brown, best safety I've seen in my life. My favorite player, he got cut short due to injury, part of the game. With those teams, Tony Parrish, we did it anyway. You're the so best. Why can't this be dominated? Rod, you're, you're the best. In fact, I think I'm going to have you write my Twitter poll questions next week because you just hit about two, three more upcoming ones between now and noon. Rod, thanks, buddy. Nice going, Rod. See you, Rod. Call again, my friend. I did not think I'd hear the name Tony Parrish today. I really did not. And you know, I, I didn't want, think I'd hear the name Rudd. I wanted to make sure I looked at this because a lot of people talk about how the Bears play in bad weather. And you look at it, and the Bears have a weird schedule this year. I can't believe this. I did this myself yesterday. Go because ahead. Because from, from uh, Sunday, mm-hmm. October 27th, the yeah. rest of the way through, they play home road, home road, home road, home road, home road. They don't play back-to-back home games or back-to-back road games. As a matter of fact, they only play back-to-back road games the second and third game of the season. And uh, back-to-back home games only once all year long. But in December, they play here against Dallas, mm-hmm. 
December 5th. I mean, what are the odds it's going to be bad weather then? Probably not good. Right. Then they go to Detroit on December 15th. I'm sorry, they go to Green Bay December 15th. Uh, that could be iffy. That could be iffy. Mm-hmm. Back here Home. against the Chiefs on okay. the 22nd, that's, three days before uh, Christmas. An evening game. Yeah. That could be uh, definitely iffy and bad weather. Yeah. And then at Minnesota, which is indoors. Is it still indoors? Yeah, I think so. Sure. Yeah, they're new as a stadium. They they played the, the Super Vikings Bowl there. Are in, that's yeah. They played yeah. the one year at the college at Minnesota. A couple of years, I think. Outdoors yeah. while they were building the new year. Right, okay. Right, okay. so they're indoors. Yeah, yeah. So really, you only have two. Two, maybe two, maybe three, because because yeah. uh, the Thanksgiving Day game is in Detroit. Right, indoors. Back, you know, before yeah. that, you're not going to worry about cold right. weather November 24th, now, are you? Did I mean, you hear, and this was bantied, uh, bantered around a little bit this week, that Pinero, one of the two kicking candidates, yeah. has never played in a game below 40 degrees. Yeah, I did. Now, I'm not sure that's 100% documented, but let's assume it is. Yeah, I've heard it from several well, several people. So. I know, but once you hear it once, it right. goes around, you know. Yeah, and it, uh, it, uh, he's a kicker. I mean, you Now, know. Fry is from Pennsylvania, so we assume he has. Yeah, you would think so. Sure. You would hope so. All right, we've delayed long enough, Fred. Can I take a quick look at the Cub game with you last night? Here? Another runner left on base. Come yeah. on. Let me tell you something. You could make the argument that the key to the Cubs season the rest of the way. Now, we don't have seatbelts in here. You ever wonder why there's no seatbelts on school buses? Okay, just wonder. The, uh, I haven't been on a school bus in a long time. Or actually, any bus. Actually, any I've bus. never been on a school bus. Okay. I walked to school my whole take life. Take the word school out. Okay. You ever seen a bus with seatbelts? No. Anyway, put your seatbelt on, Fred. You could make the argument, Cub fans, that the key to the rest of this season is Ian Happ. Now, yeah, back-to-back uh, four RBI games, those were nice. He's needed, he being Theo, he's needed a leadoff man second baseman for two, three years now. Well, Zobris was, did okay when they didn't have Fowler, but they need this year, and they needed it all winter, and I'm not even going to keep saying DJ LeMayer's name because people go, oh, you're not going to radio off. Oh, you DJ LeMayer, love a fest. Okay. Fred, so Ian Happ comes up and he starts hitting the ball, right? Yep. yep. Everything's great. He starts hitting the ball so much they decide we're going to play him at second base, even though in the minors he was playing center field. Right, because they never dreamed they'd put his iron glove and that's a negative. That's not good at second base. And they never, they also never dreamed at the time that they were going to get uh, Castellanos. Right. Well, Castellanos, he's a middle shelf pickup, not top shelf like at the carnival when you're right, not he's, he's high middle shelf. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. He's right. Of course. So that was nice. It helped pad out. Lengthen the lineup is the new phrase they like to say. Actually, instead of all, but it, I hate it. He, he fattens up the lineup. But. When Ian Hamp had a couple nice games this week, all of a sudden, oh, man, we're rolling now. Well, think about it. The Cubs went from one game, a half game out of first place mm-hmm. to three and a half games up yeah. in one week. So it was a pretty good week for the Cubs coming home. This morning, two and a half games, and Cubs lose last night five to two. Uh, Cubs two and a half games in front of second place Milwaukee, three games in front of third place St. Louis. They both won. Milwaukee's won four in a row. Yeah. So Ian, but they... It appears uh, there's been about two, three, four games now without Christian Yelich. Right. And if they had something, a back thing, you know, nothing specific that I've seen except the back tweak. 
Uh, that's not good. That's no good. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, nobody can afford to lose their Kristen Yelich guy you nope. know, or your Bellinger. But here's the thing. See, Ian Happ, everything looked nice and smooth for a couple of games there where he's pounding the ball. Now, you look at yesterday's game. This was a disaster. Men on base. And I'll just tell you something. To, to, put, to try to put the onus of this on you, Darvish, was wrong. Sure was. Now, he didn't have his best game. He gave up three home runs. Yep. That's, a two-run shot and two solo shots. He, pitched, he threw six innings with four hits. He only had four base runners because he walked nobody. All four of those base runners scored. Six hits, four earned runs, not the best. No walks, nine strikeouts. He continues that unbelievable streak of, like, now he's got two walks and, like, 45 strikeouts or whatever in his last uh, games. He, he's gone uh, third straight game with no walks. He's only he's walked uh, nobody in four of his last six. Yeah. After last year when he was struggling and had problems with that. Well, how about this? Speaking of that, that's a weird phrase. How about this? Speaking of that, Jim Deshays had this around the second, third inning on TV yesterday. Before, prior to June 10, this is a bizarre, prior to June 10, you Darvish had the worst walk ratio, walk rate they call it, in baseball. After June 10th, he's had the best walk rate pretty, in the weird. National League. So yesterday's game, you got, if you're only going to score uh, two runs, you're not going to win anyway, usually, right? right? So to blame Darvish, and I'll tell you what happened in a few minutes on, on the pitching strategy that he was given by the Cubs pitching uh, coach and as, uh, as uh, uh, Joe Madden calls them, the you know, stat heads, the geeks. But your five, six, and seven hitters, Baez, Hap, and Schwarber, all right, Fred, fourth inning, first and third, nobody out. Baez, Hap, Schwarber. Ground out, pop out, pop out. Sixth inning, first and second, one out. Here again at Baez, your fifth hitter, ground out, Hap, strikeout. Now, the all-important eighth inning. You're not kidding, all-important. Bases loaded, nobody out. Still, it's 5-2 to two game. You're still in, in touch, well, right? Well, because it was bases loaded, nobody out, and they hit Rizzo to force in a run, so it made it 5-2. Right. Which, thank you, yes, brings up Baez. Bases loaded, nobody out, 5-2. to two. Baez, to his credit, he had a rocket. Well, And he was the only one of these knuckleheads, Baez, Happ, and Schwarber, that tried to go oppo all yeah. day. Really. He hit a rocket right at yeah. Joey Votto. So, but Baez... Uh, ground, it was a hot shot, force at the plate, keeps the bases loaded, now one out for a half. He's trying to pull and yank everything because he's got the whiskey muscles now after a few good games. He strikes out. Schwab still has a chance. Bases loaded, two out. He uh, uh, grounds out three to one. Now, add these all up. How about this, Fred? Four of the five, six, seven. Baez, Happ, and Schwarber last night go 0 for 12. Okay, that'll yep. happen. Five strikeouts. All right. That'll happen. Never got the ball out of the infield. All right, that'll happen. But added up, they left 19 men on base. Yeah, that's tough. 19. Yeah. Individual at-bats had 19 different men on base. Yeah, that's not good. For the game, the Cubs left nine on base, one for ten with runners in scoring position. Chris Bryant was on base three times. A hit and two walks, he didn't score a run. So, you know, he did his job. Then he's at third base, gets caught in a rundown on a ground ball, and he gets forced or he gets thrown out. They had second and third at that point. Still could not could not get any runs in. 
One of my favorite guys is Tommy Waddle, and Tommy's a big Cincinnati Reds fan. Yep. Okay. Now, the Cubs have played the Reds 14 times, 7-7, seven and seven. all right? Now, and I'm not, we're not going to get into a long thing about... 7-7 seven and seven in both ballparks, you mean? Home and road, right? Well, or are they 7-7? Seven and seven? I, I have... Well, it'd still be the same, wouldn't it? But I have them as 14 games so far against the Reds, and they've each won seven against the uh, the Cubs are seven okay. and seven versus the Reds. Okay, Reds are seven and seven versus the Cubs. That, that's what they said on TV. Last okay, night. okay. So the Reds, they're third in baseball in earned run average. All right, uh-huh. you could sort different uh, sort of balls, and that was just the easiest thing. So I did that, and. Uh, they can hit the ball, too. Yeah. They're, they're not a pushover. No, and they're not going to be because they've got guys like Bauer and Castillo and Sonny Gray, and, you know, they've well, got a pretty well, decent Sonny, pitching staff going forward. Yeah, Sonny Gray tonight. tonight. Yeah. And he's over the top. He's a 500 pitcher, at least with an ERA. Well, let's see. I'll tell you exactly what. Sonny Gray, 6-6 six and six with an Ernie of 3.25. Uh-huh. That's not bad. Nope. When he's on, he's tough. He's over the top with a four-seam high, and then he's got a big overhand curveball. So the division is, is to me, if everybody won 81 and 81, here's a poll question we have for later. If every team in any division, okay, not the National right. Central, if a team... If a team goes 81 and 81, every team in a division, is, is it a uh, strong division or is it a weak division? Uh-huh. See? So to, to look at the National League Central makes it very, very uh, interesting to know that the Reds are not pushovers, but better be taking two out of four. Yeah. Isn't there for four? You better take two out of four. Three, three, two, three, seven, seven, six. Well, that's why they have not won. They've lost. They've not won in their last 10 road series. And I right. know people were saying, well, could they win two out of three series here? The problem with this series is the first series is a four-gamer. So that means you'd have to win three out of four in order to win that series. It's not winning two. Oh, yeah. So that makes it more difficult. Then you go to Philadelphia, which can be beat. The White Sox just went there and took two out of three from Philadelphia. And Pittsburgh's been playing miserable. So the Cubs should be able to get that one, but you can't look too far ahead. So this is a big series here for them, uh, for the Cubs, just to establish that they can beat Cincinnati. How about this? Check out, everybody, during the break here, the National League wild card standings. All right? And there are six teams within a game and a half of uh, a wild card status. I'll tell you one thing, Theo. You better not be in this wild card mess because that's going to be everybody, man for himself, six different teams down to the wire fighting for two spots. You don't want to go there. And... Something weird I thought about Ben Zobrist. Fred, I don't think you don't think it's as weird. We'll have that. Jesse at 10, back on the Bears beat when we return. Vote right now. Lots of Twitter poll questions active. We'll also have Dan Wiederer in the 10 o'clock hour. Busy day with you, Murph and Fred, 9 till noon. Vote at ESPN 1000. Welcome back, Murph and Fred. We'll get right to the phones. 332-3776. Jesse in a few minutes. Dan Wiederer. Bears guy uh, from the final open of the public <sighs> practice. There's already guys going down in practice, and we don't need to see this. Don't say that. We don't need to see this. Don't even do I have uh, do we have to report that? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think we should. Can I take off? I'm going to take off my headphones. I'm in a good mood. I don't need to hear all this. Yeah. Uh, right. Getting getting uh, taken off the field. Uh. Anthony Miller, uh, after Anthony Miller uh, mm. seems to have hurt his uh, lower right leg. So he Worked all year rehabbing the uh, shoulder. Uh-huh. And, uh, oh, man. Yeah, I, everybody. He's healthy now. <clears throat> Can't stay healthy, darn it. Uh. The heck's wrong with this guy? Well... We don't know. Was it an impact uh, hit, or was it just... There was, there was running a one-on-one drill. Just on his, uh, just nowhere near him type thing, or yeah. tangled up? Doesn't yeah, well, really matter now. Well, yeah, it does, actually, because if it, if it happens on your own, that's usually the worst thing. Well, jeez. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll find out more as we go along. I'm sure the Bears don't want everybody reporting it, so... Pay no attention You're to what we just said. You're in trouble now. Yeah. They're going to strip your credential, yeah. buddy. Pay no attention to what we just said. Adam Shaheen's on the field, so that's good news, too. Boy, I love that guy. I know you do. You're the only I did, one. No, I said I loved that oh, guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, past tense, right? Well, I mean, now it doesn't yeah. look... They, they got big trouble at tight end. Will and Dan Weeder are coming up in less than an hour. Uh, Twitter poll questions are active. Let's bring in Big Bad Sean. Sean, let's get some uh, some Twitter poll results here, my friend. Then we'll go to the phones. Got some Bears calls. Get back on the baseball beat. Yes, I said it. Ian Happ. You can make an argument. He's the key to the rest of the Cubs' offensive season. We'll uh, talk with Jesse uh, about that and many, many other uh, things. Okay, uh, Bears. <clears throat> excuse me, Bears fans. Uh, which is more key uh, for the kicker accuracy or distance? Fry. Uh, good old number, uh, whatever he is, is uh, the accuracy guy. And good old number 15, uh, Panero is the uh, distance guy. And uh, I think Brad Biggs, Bigsy, a uh, good buddy of mine, love big, big baseball fan Brad Biggs uh-huh. might be listening. Uh, he wrote a whole piece about that today for the uh, Tribune. Uh, Robbie Gold, he pointed out his leg strength, uh, Biggs, he did, improved over time. But I don't know if the Bears are looking right now for a kicker whose distance will improve over time. What have the fans? Uh, what have the fans said so far? There, Sean. I think Fry would be happy with the results of this poll. Ninety-five <laughs> percent accuracy, five percent distance. Yeah, oh, I feel that way too. That's a runaway. Yeah, yeah. I never dreamed it would be that that uh, lopsided. No, I didn't either. I, but I do feel that way too because hmm. uh, I think accuracy. You know, forty-three yards. That's not distance. That's accuracy. Uh, if it's beyond fifty and you're you're struggling, that's fine with me. If, if if you're accurate from inside of fifty, I'll I'll deal with that. I just can't have you missing forty three yarders, thirty eight yarders, twenty six yarders. I can't have that. So but, it's opening night, it's ten to ten, and you got a chance for a fifty four yard field goal to beat the Packers. Otherwise, it's overtime. You'd say, "Well, wait a minute, I might rethink this." Huh? I may I may run another play. I may try to get a first down. So just throw the Hail Mary and see if they'll then review it in New York. Yeah. Because there's P.I. on every Hail Mary. That seems like it, yeah. Oh, don't you think there almost is a 95% of Hail Marys? Yeah, probably. I mean, not, but... Not called or anything, well, but yeah. No, but that's, that's the hook right. on this new review thing. Yeah, I know. That's what Chase Daniel had suggested that uh, oh, really? to, to Nagy, saying right. he, should, he should, you know, they should run to Hail Mary and see what's going to happen. Well, yeah. See how they're going to call it uh, on the uh, instant replay. Now, the rules have, people have to understand, the rules have not changed on pass interference. Right. The rules are the same. Uh-huh. 
It's just that they will now be reviewing more of them. Well, probably, yeah, because you got to get a coach's review. But, yeah. Okay. They will. Why Why wouldn't they? It's all because of that play in the uh, playoffs last year, right? The, the final? Yeah. The, the NFC the non, The non-call, yeah. Right. And that had nothing to do with anything except the referee, uh, the referee swall- blew the call. swallowed his whistle. Yeah. They had two guys were looking right at it, and neither yeah. of them called it. They swallowed their whistles. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, they choked. Yep. Here's the thing. Get better referees. You won't have to do all this other stuff. And, Sean, will the Bears trade a player? We'll have to trade a player for a tight end by week one, yes or no? What are the fans saying so far there, Big Bad Sean? I'm personally, I was surprised by the turnout of this vote. Uh-huh. 85% of the fans voted no. Okay. 15% yes. Okay. We'll see. I think I think where it changes is a player. Because I don't know if these are going to... You well, you've got to get a tight end. Yeah. No one's going to give you one for a middle draft pick, are they? No, they may. They may. It depends on if they're building it, if there's a decent tight end on a bad team. Hey, how about this? Now, the uh, it appears from experts are saying that to trade for a field goal kicker... Uh, Who's this guy here? There's one out there that's going to oh, be there's available. Two, there's a couple of them out there. They got a kick for got a kick for Carolina the other day. Right, right. Uh, and he's nailing like 47, 50 yarders. Uh-huh. They might be looking for a fourth rounder back. The one problem we don't have a fourth rounder. We traded him to move up for Montgomery. Well, Montgomery's worth it. Well, so. yeah. Yep. What about a good field goal kicker? You wouldn't. I don't know what you can... We don't have a four. No. You can't give a three. You're going to be able to find a field goal kicker out there somewhere. You're going to have to just keep looking. Let's go to uh, Bear Fan Bob is checking in. Hey, Bob. Good morning, guys. Long time no talk. I'm happy it's Bear season. There you go. Anyways, Murph, Murph, to answer your question, your Twitter poll question, I'm going to throw this at you. If the Bears and the Packers on opening night are 10-10 to and a field goal kicker the game rests on that and it's outside the 50 and you don't know what to do, you better be rethinking the matter because that game better not be 10-10 to (laughs) and the last play of the game. Well, you got me there. Uh Okay, (laughs) you know, this team is, it should be a whole lot better than that. But that's just me. But it is the Packers and you never know. Anyways, I was calling in about the uh, game, uh, the practice game Thursday night. I really liked what I saw, and I know it doesn't mean anything about points, this, that, or anything else. But what really impressed me was the execution. The players looked like they knew what to do, okay? The second string, third string, even the fourth string. The guys are very well coached. It's been a long time since we've seen that in a Bears team. We didn't see it under Fox too much, that's for dog. That's for sure. And the defense just seems a lot more aggressive. And in my and, and in my world, because I did go to all the games last year, you know they needed to be a little bit more aggressive because I think they would have would have done a whole lot better. That's just me. And anyways, I got a Bears prediction for you for the year. I'm thinking they're going to go about twelve and four. That's my thoughts, guys. Have a good day. <laughs> I love it. Thanks, Bear fan Bob. Twelve and four. Take that. Repeat of last year. Did I steal that from the other show? Take that. Yeah. But I meant just don't I'm, just don't tell Bob that it won't end well for him. But I meant take that right. Okay, yeah, just to make sure. Uh huh. Let the record show. Fred, let me ask you about the 
everyone's talking about the. Uh, you're laughing. I'm laughing again. because Anthony Miller, who we uh, uh, we no, mentioned, went down funny. with the injury. Oh, no. He just <laughs> he just tweeted on. He just said on Twitter, oh. "I'm good with a thumbs up." So I guess we shouldn't worry about him. He's good. Much ado about nothing. I guess so. <laughs> so, so Anthony Miller's good. Never mind. Remember when I used to call Roquan Smith Rokan? Uh-huh. My old buddy from the old radio days. Right. Love her. Hey, Ro. By the way, biggest Bears fan out there, Rokan. Okay. Roquan Smith goes, uh, he does the, uh, the, the, the gut the blitz sack. Yep. Right? Which was great. Sure. Were you, why, why? Was he playing? No, no. Why, oh. why was that play called? Why did Chuck Pagano... I'm not criticizing. It was fun no, to watch. Don't just to show. Wrong. Just to show. Uh, I, I agree. Just to show what? Just, just to show to his own guys. I don't think it's to show anybody else. I thought it was to show the, have the tape, the film, whatever yeah. they call it now. So other teams go, well, we got to look out for this. Yeah. Huh? They, they, they're going to look out for a lot of blitzes. Okay. He, he, he sends them a little bit more than Fangio did. So, so then he did it just to. I think you're overthinking it. He huh? just wanted to get to the quarterback. He wanted to get to the quarterback. He got, he got to well, him. because think about it. It was uh, they had just given up a big first down. It was second and something, yeah. and then he had a big sack, made it third and fifteen. So it was a, it was a key time to go and and use the blitz. He called it. I thought at a perfect time. It was one of the few highlights in the game. I thought. No, I mean no. I was one. Yeah. It was fun. It was amazing. I just thought that might be something that he'd keep in the old hip pocket. But, yeah, you can't keep uh, everything in the hip pocket. <laughs> you, you just you know that now you know that Roquan Smith, along uh-huh. with everybody else, is going to be coming yeah. on the blitzes. Uh, Captain Kangaroo could keep it in his uh, coat pocket. Yeah, you're going to blitz everybody. Mm-hmm. They're all coming after Ooh. you, so be ready for them. Gents, according to Pro Football Talk, this just posted up mm. about 10 minutes ago. Not another injury for the Bears. No. Going back to the kicker situation, oh, yeah. the Ravens have two great kickers in mm-hmm. training camp, one being Kyrie Vedvik, yeah. who got hurt off the field. Of course, he's not going to supplant uh, Justin Tucker, who right. is an all-world kicker. And according to Manage Meta of the New York Daily News, the Jets have interest, but they believe that the Bears would trade for him, according to Jamison Hensley of ESPN, huh. who also reports that the Bears could target Vedvik in a trade. So there's great kicker news. Great stuff. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Big Bad Sean. Uh, here's Biggs, uh, Brad Biggs today. Uh, Vedvik sounds like a uh, neighbor of uh, Yurko's, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. Carry uh, Vedvik. If it's a neighbor of Yurko's, it would be Vedvich. Vedvich. Yeah. Exactly. Right. V-E-D-V-I-K. Oh, there's he, a K? Okay. Yeah. Then it would be Vedvik, probably. He made all four of his uh, uh, field goal attempts. Uh, I guess this was in their Thursday uh, game. 55, 45, 26, and 29. He made both extra points. Uh, Biggs continues, the Ravens will not keep two kickers. Uh, they have, of course, as just mentioned, all-pro Justin Tucker, who also nailed a 52. Uh, Biggs talked to a general manager of a team uh, with a uh, comfortable kicker situation and was asked the highest draft pick the Ravens could seek for Vedvik. Maybe a fourth, uh, the uh, general manager said. People don't like trading away their picks. Biggs continues, of course, the Bears traded their 20-24th round pick Moving up in the uh, third round to select 
David Montgomery. So yeah. I, I got to tell you, over the last four months, I've never been more embarrassed in my life having to talk this much about kickers. Embargo. Ever. Ever. I didn't buy, I'm all I'm all with Yurko. Let's em- right. put a kicker embargo. Hey, you've heard us talk about <laughs> Seven Bridges Golf Club. It is one of the Midwest's best-kept golfing secrets and conveniently located just a half-hour drive from Chicago. Provides public access golf in a setting that affords a private course feel. Seven Bridges, annually rated as one of the top five courses in Illinois, Seven Bridges offers value-driven pricing to weekly, corporate, and other frequent golfers. Now, this summer, you better hurry. Save up to $25 per person when you book a foursome. Go experience how rewarding golf can be. For tee times or to learn more, visit sevenbridgesgolfclub.com or call 630-964-GOLF. Jesse, in a few minutes, Murph and Fred, till noon when we return. I have an interesting angle I want to ask you, Fred, about Kyle Hendricks, who will be pitching uh, tonight in Cincinnati. He's 8-8 eight and eight with a 3.06. Doesn't even battle tonight. Sonny Gray, also a yeah, 500 be a pitcher, 3.25. Really and uh, want to get the results from Big Bad Sean Davis when we return. Vote now, yes or no, last chance. Should MLB totally ban non-pitchers from pitching in games? But Murph, I like watching Javi Bad Lefty back in a flash of his PN 1000. Murph and Fred busy. Oh, we got a lot going on here. Fred, you got something first. Uh, I, I oh. do, actually. Oh, I'm sorry. I can, I can get to it before. Oh. Yeah. oh, that's all right. Okay, well, at Fields, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Glenview, you will get a low price and a whole lot more. Some auto dealerships advertise false prices just to get you to come on in. But at Fields, mm. they have all of their advertised prices right there for you. They don't change when you come in. At Fields, they want to earn your business and will never mislead you. Go to Fields, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Glenview. A perfect day for it. Check out the uh, Jeep Gladiator. Uh, I drove it last week. It's a really cool vehicle. Or you can visit them at uh, FieldsCJD.com. Here's a couple things we'll uh, bounce off Jesse in a couple minutes. So uh, Ben Zobrist, uh, Fred, uh, he's... Playing, uh, he played three games last week at Low A, which is South Bend. He's playing three games now at what they call High A, uh, down in uh, Myrtle Beach. Right. Uh, he played the Thursday and Friday. He'll play game three today. He homered uh, Thursday and he homered last night. Uh, then I guess I'll give them, you know, the next uh, three four days off if they're. Uh, if we see a trend here, then he'll probably be at double uh, A. He's a part-time ball player right now. Well, here's what's interesting. You're right, exactly right. They're not going to bring him up till like September. That's what Jesse had said. He DH'd though. Yeah. In the at least the, one of the three in South Bend, and he DH'd game one here Thursday when I here in Myrtle Beach. So it makes me wonder, doesn't he need as much as he can out there in the field to get the legs ready uh, for second base? I just worried about him hitting the ball. Kyle Hendricks, I'm going to ask Jesse, if Kyle Hendricks, Fred, what do you think, had Greg Maddox strike zone? All right. How how good would Kyle Hendricks be if he had that three inches on each side like Glavin and Smoltz? And that was at most one of the most disgusting eras of baseball. Derek Holland threw a pitch last night oh. that the entire ball was inside the strike zone. Wow. 
And they, the, the whole thing is ridiculous. Baseball is, is so aggravating to watch uh, until they get the computerized strike zones. Human error. Human error is for the players, not the umpire. And as long as they keep making mistakes, it's miserable. And you were the first one oh, to uh, say we want awful. the uh, robo-umps. I yeah, jumped like on your band, years ago jumped on your bandwagon uh, quickly after. And Jesse, how important is Ian Happ? Uh, for the next uh, six oh, he, weeks. Jesse's taking notes with his coffee. He's listening already. Back in a flash, Murph and Fred vote. Got a lot of Twitter polls going. Bears talk at 1030. Dan Weeder at ESPN 1000. It's Saturday. It's 10 o'clock. You know what that means. Crank it up there. Saturday. It's time for Jesse. He's in Cincinnati. He couldn't be happier. It's Jesse Rogers. He's happy because he's out with Murph and Fred and talking to all our great listeners. He could have been happier if they won last night. I got a hit with men in scoring position. That would have been nice. Jesse! A third cup of coffee would make me happy right now because I don't know if I can keep up with you two. Good morning. Uh, You will. In fact, you'll uh, lead us, I'm sure. But fans say to Jesse Rogers. All right, Jesse, uh, I would say that uh, many fans would, oh, boy, Darvish, Darvish. Last night, three home runs. Number one, you score two runs, you're not going to win many games anyway. Sure, he threw three pitches that he'd like to have back. We may talk a little about the philosophy of how to pitch the Reds uh, from the geeks and the pitching coach a little bit later, but I'll tell you one thing, Jesse, three home runs, four runs, uh, that Reds outfit is tough, but let's look at why the Cubs didn't score more than two runs. Let's look at the fifth, sixth, and seventh hitters. Now, I understand Trevor Bauer, Fred, he's, he's pretty good. He's a top 30 pitcher, Yeah, but uh, the last uh, uh, month or so, uh, Darvish has been lights out also. So, point is, Jesse, here's some numbers that this would be like John Dewan with the numbers would call uh, scary, uh, Halloween scary numbers, all right? Baez, Happ, and Schwarber, you know where we're going here. They batted, uh, they went 0 for 12. All right, that'll happen. Five strikeouts, uh, that'll happen. Never got the ball out of the infield. 12 over 12. Happen. <laughs> that happened. That happens. But if you add up the men on base, each time these guys batted in the fourth, the sixth, and the eighth, I did it three times. Make sure. 19 men on base, and they go 0 for 12, five strikeouts, never got the ball out of the air, men on first and third, nobody out, bases loaded for the three of them, nobody out, one out, two out, uh, men on base in the sixth inning. So who uh, who's the uh, who's the guy that you say oh, was it Darvish that uh, you know was could have done better of course or these three guys you got to score more than two runs. Yeah, I mean it's nice to win a game two one or two nothing once in a while, but against a team like the Reds in this ballpark in the summer, I mean it's hard to keep the ball in the in the yard. So you're you're not wrong. Hmm. Now they would have had to score six. That's a lot. That's yeah. a lot. So Darvish. You know, probably could have used one pitch back, you know, give up three or four and not five, whatever. You know, we're, we're going through this thing. But, um, yeah, I, and they had that shot in the eighth inning. Baez hit that ball on the nose to the right side. Yes, it just yeah. happened to be right at Votto. Two, three feet either way, mm-hmm. five feet, whatever it takes to get by. 
the game's different. But you don't want to have to rely on that. You don't want to have to rely on, on come-from-behind victories. Bauer won this game for them. Um, uh, I will say this. I looked it up. You know, mentioned bases loaded, nobody out. Bases loaded, one out. First and third, nobody out. Uh, the Cubs still just below league average. Man on third, less than two outs, getting that runner home. I mean, they have not been at league average or above, I think, in the five years since they became contenders. They just can't be that team that, that plays enough small ball to get that runner home from third. So let's say you get one in one inning, then yeah. you get one in another inning. You know, maybe it doesn't all have to come in one inning. You can chip away sometimes. Bingo, but, bingo. You know, yeah, but it just didn't happen last night. Uh, you know, Hap had some bad at-bats. You know, but Bias did hit the ball hard on that on that one that just went right yeah. to the bottom. Well, you know, and we didn't talk about it. I mean, what they scored the night before, 12 runs, 18 hits. Yeah. Then they mm-hmm. had five hits yesterday with two runs. So, I mean, it's back. It's a little bit back to what they had done in the past. But also, you saw a lot of those guys in Hap especially. He had back-to-back four RBI games, and he was swinging. I don't know where his head was, but the, he was swinging for the fences. He figured he'd do it one more time. Well, in fact, Jesse and, and Fred and I, for the last hour, I've been saying, and Fred uh, just it was, uh, I think, with me. One of the you could you could make the argument. I made Fred put the seatbelt on when I brought this up before, but you could make the argument that the key to this Cubs offense is Ian Happ. Now, before everyone starts laughing, here's what I mean. Number one, they Theo they Theo never accomplished what I will say was the main thing the Cubs needed in the off season and on July 31st, a leadoff man, second baseman. Now. It was nice that Hayward has been doing okay there, and maybe he'll continue to do that. But the second base, what do they have now? Seven second basemen they've played. They've right, started. <laughs> Seven is a lot. Right. Seven of them. Descalso, Russell, Bodie, Garcia, Zobrist, and Kemp. Yeah. Now, Hep and Fred, was just, he's been you know on fire since he got here. And that made everything look good the last few. Oh, you know what? Castellanos is a terrific uh high middle type guy, you know, like middle shelf at the top, not top shelf, but a great pickup. But that second base leadoff guy, if you're going to have to have someone there at second base that's not going to hit, you got a big hole and you can't uh, lengthen the lineup. So Hap is so key to the next six weeks, and we saw both sides of him, like you were just saying, Fred. We saw him where he was unloading for two days, and then yesterday where he didn't want to go the other way, didn't want to try to get the man in from third, which would have uh, put the second run on the board early, like you would say, to chip away, Jesse. So, you know, of course, Baez, and of course, uh, Rizzo, Bryant, up, and, but Hap, he's the one that made things look good, you know, along with Castellanos. But boy, if he could hit, all of a sudden, you got a long lineup. And if he can't, all of a sudden, you're scuffling again. Yeah, and Joe's been looking for that long lineup all year. Oh. And, and you're right, Castellanos at the top and Hap near the bottom could make the, make a huge difference. You know, we should mention Joe and the matchup thing. If, if Hap doesn't play yesterday after being really hot, everyone goes crazy on Joe. Mm-hmm. Now, for all we know, he did play just simply because he's hot. But normally, you know, Joe will play the matchup game with guys that aren't named Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, etc. So I, we have to remember the days where a guy goes south after having two good games, and, and no one's wondering, why did he play? Why did he play? It's only, why didn't he play? So let's remember this day, the next time someone has two games in a row and doesn't start, 
because Joe doesn't think the matchup is right. So I just want to throw that out there because maybe Bauer against Hap wasn't a great matchup. I have a feeling he did start simply because he was, he's was he been so hot lately. But there are times where those guys don't deserve to start is despite being hot. No one mentions that. No one mentions that he played after two good games despite maybe it wasn't the best matchup. So we have to remember that as well. It's not going to be Hap alone, though. It won't be. Zobris is going to get a chance when he gets back. And there's going to be spot starts here and there for for other guys yeah. as well. So I still don't think he's got that job, you know, to his own. See what uh, of all the great things Jesse says, that was really key right there, Fred. And uh, talking about any team, any manager, any lineup on any given day, it's not. The question isn't why did he play so and so? It's why didn't he play so and so? Right, Jesse. Yeah, that's what any, everybody asks. But when he does play someone, he goes 0 for 4. Yeah. Well, how, how did he go 0 for 4, whatever it was, after having two great games? Mm-hmm. That, that, that's the definition of a platoon player, and that's what Hap is right now, though you're going to ride the hot streak as much as you can, and that's probably why he did play yesterday. Uh, very interesting uh, uh, Cubs 8th uh, and ninth inning. They were trailing and uh, could not come back. Uh, but the bullpen. Uh, actually, the seventh and eighth, the Reds didn't bat in the ninth. Of course, the last two innings for the Cubs was uh, Ciszek, and like any pitcher, and you've been on this from the beginning, any pitcher out of the bullpen, you got to get your rest. I know the post game TV show said he had a bad outing. I thought he had another one of his good outings after uh, two or three days off. Two of the outs were taps back to the, the pitcher, one to three. He struck out the third out. There was an infield hit that Bryant knocked down to his left and a nice play but couldn't convert. And uh, went uh, to second on the one three and then scored on a blooper duck snort. And uh, Ken Harrelson would have called it. That was a nice inning by Ciszek, well rested. And then Holland. Now, there's only one lefty in the bullpen. I was a little surprised because Ryan is out on bereavement for a couple of days. So you've only got one lefty in the bullpen. I was a little surprised Holland was used. But he comes in throwing 95, 95, 95. Where'd that come from? Yeah, I asked you about that after the game. I didn't get a chance to talk to Derek. He said that, that, that he's been showing 95. I guess I haven't watched the radar gun that closely. Hmm. Um, but they've been working on some stuff versus right-handers. So maybe they wanted to test it out again in a losing situation. Uh, good. Yeah. Because, yeah, because you don't have that much to lose. So, I mean, there's always you know uh, improvements to be made. If this guy can get some righties out, that could be huge so he doesn't have to face just one guy and then he's out of the game. But I'm yeah. with you. That that surprised me as well. He was popping the mitt there for sure, um, and, but now he may not be available today, and you may not have a lefty in the bullpen at all for Votto and these other guys. He, he has Hayward established himself now as either the top of the lineup guy until Joe decides not to have him there anymore. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah you just answered yeah. your question. Yes. Yeah, but I but I know what you're getting at. Is he the permanent guy? Right. October fourth, is he going to be hitting the? I don't know. I don't think we're quite there yet. Especially if Zobris has anything left in the tank, then he's going to get some shots at the top in September and maybe about October. I don't think we're there yet, but I think of all the candidates, he's probably done the best. I guess when you combine it with who's behind him now, Castellanos, you know, it makes him look even better. But don't you feel better with him than Schwarber or him than... You know, who yeah. knows? Maybe Hap will get another run. Well, if, if Hope, but you, you know why? Yeah, but you know why I feel better with him? Because he's not handling it like he's batting leadoff. He's yeah. got two first pitch home runs. He's just doing it as a regular at bat. And you, you've said it since Hayward came here. Um, 
when he was put in as a leadoff guy in Atlanta, and it right. didn't work, and he kind of fell off, and he kind of went into a funk. And you also mentioned that he, you know, he wouldn't mind doing it, but he liked to stay there for a little while. Don't jack him around. He's there. He's handling it just like he's going to the plate for an at bat. If he yeah, sees a good pitch, he swings he can go at it for five, and they can score twelve runs. Which <laughs> yeah, they two, two nights. So it's not totally reliant on him, but um, I think he's there for the short term. But I, I wouldn't say it's a done deal. You know, for the next six weeks, okay. right. he's one for his last twelve. Leading off, but you t- you tickled on something that seems you know unfathomable, which is uh, Hap. Now I'm going to go back and lead off. It, it sounds crazy, so crazy, so crazy. But here's the guy that has always had. He's always walked, even when he couldn't hit. If this guy, and I don't think it'll ever happen, but if he's able to hit for a while and walk, I mean, all of a sudden now you get Hayward down where he belongs, in the sixth or seventh slot down there. And then, then you really are lengthened. You know what I mean? But Yeah, oh, 100%. And oh. you don't have to worry about the pitcher because you perhaps a switch hitter. He has even better speed than mm. Hayward, though he's still learning on the base pass. Like, he doesn't sure. use his speed to the best. But, mm-hmm. but there's a lot to like there. But I do think that now that Joe's tried some of these young guys and it's completely, you know, screwed with them, I think he's a little reluctant. Remember, Hap was there last year, and he had a bad start. So how many times do we have to see this Schwarber, Hap, you know, they go up there and then they struggle. So I think he's probably a little reluctant this early. Let's say we head into September, forget Zobers for a moment, and Hap is feeling comfortable, he's in a groove. I could see it happening. I could. Jazz, the way that Hap was playing at, at AAA, except for a week or two, I'm shocked at what he's been able to do since he's come up. You know what? Not if you listen to Theo. Theo talked about fixing this part of his game. Then, uh, you know, as he fixed this part, another part kind of left, and then he had to build it all back together. So there were moments where the numbers didn't always look good, uh-huh. but he was making progress. And I liked what, you know, it made sense to me what Theo said. Like, he fixed the hole in his swing, but it, all, but it, it zapped some of his power. So as he was fixing the hole, he had to bring, or keeping that hole fixed, I guess, that hole closed up, he had to bring the power back in. So eventually those last couple, three weeks, he brought it all back together. So I'm not shocked that the numbers didn't look good and they look better here because it was a process and it wasn't just about the result. Cool. But he looked like the old Hap, the bad Hap. Yesterday. Last At night. Times, yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it just, from, from the two, three days earlier, there was the bad Hap again with the big swing, with the big hole. And uh, so, again, we'll see what happens there. They weren't able to make a deal for Merrifield. All right, uh, Jesse, you mentioned, uh, uh, we mentioned Zobrist uh, uh, there in passing. I had one question. I think Fred's uh, uh, going to say, no, 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 don't worry about it. At least that's what you set up in the pre- I don't worry about much. The pre-show love fest. I said, no, something's funny here, Fred. Uh, not ha-ha funny either. So Zobras played three games at uh, low A, as they call it, in South Bend. Now he's playing his third game tonight in high A at the Myrtle Beach. He homered uh, Thursday night and last night. But he he, uh, DH'd at least once of the three in South Bend, and he DH'd so far at least one of the two. It could be more, but just conservatively. Are you surprised that he's not on the field at second base three days in a row to try to force those 38-year-old legs into shape? Or maybe the training staff said two games back-to-back is enough. It's going to take him a month. No, I'm not surprised. He did play second base last night. So now he's starting to move in that direction. 
Um, I, I uh, let's see what t- today Saturday he'll play one more game. I, I, let's see if he plays second today. That would okay. be back to back. But with with the, what two more two three weeks more in this mo- the, we're assuming in this rehab. Yeah, I think it's going to increase. He'll. I, it sounds like he might just go to every level. Like next will yeah. be double A. You know, sounds like triple A. Yeah, I think it's going to increase, Murphy. It has to mm-hmm. because he can't he can't just play DH. He can't do that right. on the Cubs when he comes back. So yes, I think it's going to increase. So the timetable roster wise, the expanding rosters on September first makes more and more sense for a target date for Zobrist. Yeah, and I think it, he's been targeting September first for months. I really sure. do think that he thought that would be the day. I think part of it was uh, he didn't want to disrupt a lot, you know, take someone's roster spot when he wasn't sure what he was going to bring to the table. This is the easiest way to ease him back in roster-wise, right? Just put him Mm -hmm. on the 40-man, you know, all that stuff. So, yes, I think he's always been thinking September 1st. Kyle Hendricks pitches tonight. By the way, the Reds, you know, people think it's a pushover team. I had it wrong, Fred. I thought the Cubs were 7-7. and and 6-8 against uh, Cincinnati. What did you say, though? The only... The only in the team divi- in the division with a winning record against the Cubs. All right. Yeah. It's it's not a bad team. What And what a slick trade to move Puig for uh, Trevor Bauer. Uh, Fred was mentioning, we were talking earlier, Jesse, they didn't need Puig. They've got this unbelievable, at least up to this oh point of God, his young career, Aquino. <laughs> so he's as good or better, at least right now, I understand, you know, uh, than Puig. And they all of a sudden they get a top 30 starting pitcher thrown in their lap, Trevor Bauer right? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot to like about this team. Their run differential is great. Everything's great except for their record, you know, but they're, they're probably still learning how to win. David Bell, first-year manager. It's more about mm-hmm. how this sets up probably for next year. I mean, sure, you, sure. you want to take advantage of Votto while he's still going well. Not not that he's having the best year, but that lineup. I mean, Suarez, now you add a Kino. Holy cow. Jesse, they're number three in the uh, National League in earned run average. Yeah. They're going to throw Sonny Gray tonight against uh, Hendricks. Sonny Gray, 6-6, six and six, 3.25. Hendricks, 8-8, eight eight, 3.06. That's a wash, just the numbers. I mean, I like Hendricks more, but that's a wash. And Sunday... Castillo pitches for the Reds 11 and 4 with an Ernie of 2.63 against Lester, who's been struggling. Had the Reds swept the Cubs, they'd have been three games behind the Cubs. They started at seven. It's a four game series. You know, this division, people like to laugh at it. We'll do that discussion some other time. But the Reds are not a pushover. No, they're not. And Derek Johnson is like the pitching whisperer. Now, he was the pitching coach at Vanderbilt. Yep. He came to the Cubs organization. He went to Milwaukee. Look what, what Milwaukee did on the mound. Now he's with the Reds. Look at what they're doing. Yeah, I guess, you know, they just had that bad start and haven't been able to climb out of it, though they've been within striking distance, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, you know, two teams in front of them before they get to the Cubs. Anyway, I think anybody that's watched baseball knows they're not a pushover. The run differential tells you that. Um, and, they, and, they, and they bring it against the Cubs. You know, it's that whole rise to the occasion thing. I think you get that a lot when it comes to Milwaukee and, and, and Cincinnati and St. Louis against the Cubs and even the Pittsburgh Pirates. Everybody loves to take down the Cubs. They just do for various reasons. It it, can, it starts with how good the Cubs have been, and it ends with how, how much the fans travel. It's all part of the equation. Um, these these teams do not like the Cubs coming to town and and, and their fans taking over. So <laughs> they, they, they I think there's something to it. They do rise to the occasion a little bit. You sure it's just the, the fan? They don't like you coming to town. Well, there's Dar- no Darvish. They love Darvish. Time for the lightning round. Jesse, oh geez, I thought we were done. Time for the lightning round. Jesse Rogers, number one. 
how did it go when you threw the ball out for the Chicago Dogs? Well, it's still uh, it's still up in the air. I mean, the, the easiest pitch I threw is still coming down, but uh, I made it over the plate. It just it was a little high. I took I, I had a little loop to it. There was a little angle, you know, launch angle to it. That's okay. I warned you. Step up to the front, to the grass and the dirt, and he throw threw from high. The ru- you threw from the rubber, didn't you? I threw from the rubber. Yeah. I shook off the catcher. I did a full wind up, and uh-huh. then I just lobbed it. But thanks for asking. Yeah, but it's actually not, it was as hard as you could throw it. That too. <laughs> Lightning round with Jesse Rogers next. Javi Baez batted left-handed. I loved it. Thank goodness he didn't get hurt. But here's the bigger question. Here's why I didn't mind it. Because they got a guy throwing the catcher because they, they didn't want to bring a pitcher in. We have a uh, Twitter poll going right now, Jesse and Fred. Should MLB totally ban non-pitchers from pitching in games? Yes or no? Let's bring in... Uh, Big Bad Sean, jump in, buddy. How have the fans voted so far? Should Major League Baseball say, no, no, none of these position players making a travesty out there in the eighth, ninth inning, throwing like Jesse Rogers at the Chicago Dog game, you know, with the blooping the ball up there. That's why I had no problem with Baez batting lefty, because they had already turned the game into a, a mockery. Uh, yes or no, what the fans say? Should the league ban this in the future? Overwhelmingly, 86% of voters say no. All right. Yeah. I voted yes. yes. I probably would have voted yes, too. I'm getting tired of it. Or at least maybe you could do it once a year per team. But the only thing, only thing is, Murph, in a serious sense, mm-hmm. you're, you're in the 18th inning. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't force your last relief pitcher to keep going if he can't do it. So that would be the, the one exception. You, eventually you may have to go to a position player. But I, it's been used too much the last couple of years. It's not a, a novelty but, it used to be. But you know what? A lot, of, uh, Almost every team has a guy on their team that somewhere along the line was probably a pitcher because pitchers are usually yep. the best players on their team. You know what I mean? A lot of times growing up. So I, I would be, you know, with Rizzo and, uh, heck, Baez, all these guys probably pitched somewhere along the line. Yeah, but that doesn't mean they should hear. You know, it's a no, whole no, different. No, story. no, I know, but what I'm saying is, like AJ Reed, who could not hit at all for the White Sox, but he actually pitched. I think in college he came in and threw an inning for the White Sox when they were getting beat bad. If you're going to do it, don't make a mockery of it. Put a guy out there that's going to at least throw the ball seventy or you know seventy miles an hour or something like that. And yeah, it, if you have someone, but maybe you don't. Yeah, the yeah, odds or, are. And the other thing is, you don't want to blow an outfielder's arm out or a catch, no, backup catcher. So. You probably don't want them throwing 80. I don't know. I, I mean, it, it, like I said, the novelty is worn off for me, so I don't care if well, they, they banned it. Because what they did with their, you know, what Cincinnati did, that was a joke. Because we threw harder in Goodwin School Playground when we played <laughs> played played lob ball. I mean, really, there's no doubt we threw harder than that. It was it was a joke <laughs> watching that. Well, you're going to start extra inning games someday soon with a man on second, nobody else. So hopefully it won't go to the 18th inning. Otherwise, I call it the surrender. You know what? You say, we don't have any more pitchers. It's 12 to 5. Game's Walk over. Off the field. We yeah. say, well, you know what? Right. I don't want to see the catcher throwing the lollipops there. It's a first. Yeah, you may yeah. as well do that. Uh, Jesse, I want to ask you a week from tomorrow. The Cubs are playing the Red, or the Cubs are playing the Pirates in in um, you know in Williamsport. What's it doing? Right. Yeah. And um, you've have have you ever seen that field there? No, I'm looking forward to it. I just had a long conversation with Bryant yesterday about his little league memories. I'm going to write that up. Some great stuff from him. I mean, I, I, at the very end, I said to Chris, I said, I mean, tell me how 
how good were you? He said, oh, I hit 790 when I was 12 years old. <laughs> like, oh nice. God. Yeah, and, and that was against 15-year-old guys. <laughs> right, exactly. But anyway, I'm looking forward to a week from tomorrow. Well, I'll give you a little scoop. The fall lines are 180 feet and center field's 200, so you can run with that. <laughs> I might hit one out then. <laughs> yeah, might being the operative word. Good job, Jesse! I'm going to go get some chili. Oh, he had a, nug- he had a nugget like for us without even asking for the nugget. That's our guy. Bears next. See you, Jazz. Murph and Fred. It's ESPN 1000. Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. You can search for every single fallback excuse that you want to find. The bottom line is you have a team here with Super Bowl expectations, and you don't win the Super Bowl unless your quarterback is good to great. That's Dan Weeder, oh, one minute away from Dan Weeder, is going to check in from the Chicago Tribune and frequent uh, uh, ESPN 1000 contributor. Vote now. Murph and Fred till noon. Welcome back. Here's uh, uh Bears Twitter poll question for Bears fans. Multiple choice. For the Bears to reach the Super Bowl, uh, Mitch Trubisky must be A, good, B, very good, C, Great. Let's go to Bourbon Egg. Let's crank up some Bears music for me there. Ah, anyway, Sean. Dan Wiederer, it's Murph, front alongside. Thanks for picking up the phone. Hey, Dan, good morning. Good morning. The answer is B. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> All right. Okay, that'll do it. Thanks a lot. Talk to you next time. Right, talk to you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> Fan said to Dan Wiederer, Tribune Bears guy, uh, frequent contributor here, ESPN 1000, busy right now down at uh, Bears, the final open to the public uh, at training camp. Fred, there was some breaking news earlier today. Well, yeah, everybody's talking to Anthony Miller, who was protecting, who, you know, coming back from his shoulder, got hurt, and then Anthony Miller tweeted it. Can you even mention anything about that? Is, is, or is that, are you embargoed, Dan? It looked as if Anthony Miller had something with his right leg. We'll get a chance to talk to Matt Nagy after practice in about 20 minutes here or so, and we'll get an update on that. Uh, it didn't look to be serious. Miller walked off the field under his own power, and now we just got to get a little more information on that. So, see, it's not only games that guys can get hurt in, but damn these damn practices. I mean, they they can come up lame in that, and that's that seems like the one thing we they have to deal with now for the next three weeks is just having everybody healthy for that Bears Packers game. Huh. Yeah, they're obviously trying to play this thing safe and get everybody to week one as healthy as possible, and so it's going to make things a little bit boring for us in the media for the next three weeks, not really having much meaningful game action to to look at and, and evaluate progress with. Uh, but this team is pretty healthy right now overall. The only major injury is Trey Burton. He uh, got back on the field this morning to do some individual drill work, and, and you have to, to try to get a feel for, for how quickly he can be back up to full speed. I'm glad you brought that up, and uh, good to hear that uh, you know he's out there. The tight end position, you know, a lot of average fans, even you know myself, you know, oh, tight end, you know. Uh, and I'm still waiting for my guy Adam Shaheen to show that I was correct three years ago, and I predicted stardom for him, but he's sort of uh, muddling. Merv, Merv, you were the guy muddling through. <laughs> yeah, I, I try not to bring it up, but the tight end 
in general. And this is a little X's and O's, but I have faith that our listeners here, Murph and Fred on Saturdays, uh, can go a little behind the scenes. The tight end position, as I understand it, is what well, we all know, very key to the uh, Matt Nagy offensive uh, game plan scheme, the mad scientist that we love uh, as the Bears uh, head coach with the, uh, you know, putting together his big giant playbook, which is bigger than ever. The tight end, he has the U tight end and the Y tight end. As I understand it, the U is the move. That's how I remember it. You and move mm-hmm. rhyme. I'm you know not that sharp. So Trey Burton is the guy that moves around, goes in motion. The wide tight end is more of the big blocking uh, bat type of a body. You, you don't want to exhaust him having him move and go in motion. No, because he can't. But so how key, I guess it's sort of a simplistic question, but Trey Burton, he wasn't there for the uh, loss in the playoffs, and then they were able to put two guys on, uh, Terry Cohen, you know, uh, Philadelphia. I mean, how important is it to get Trey Burton back? Well, you just mentioned it. We saw against the Eagles in January what happens when your offense has to play without a piece that it's counting on. And, and it wasn't just the injury. It was the timing of the injury where they had already gone through their entire week of practice game planning and put together what they wanted to do to attack the Eagles and then had to uh, adjust at the very last minute hmm. to figure out how to, to, to work around that and obviously didn't do so successfully with uh, only scoring 15 points in that game. So you want to have the, the full arsenal of guys. And right now I think the tight end depth is the biggest question that I have about this offense and probably this football team right now other than kicker uh, because you need to have those guys that, that can make this offense run at its full power. Now, the good news for Matt Nagy is they've got more depth at wide receiver. They've got a guy like Cordero Patterson who can be a little bit more versatile and create mismatches. They have Tariq Cohen now that they can use in different ways and, and uh, create mismatches that way as well. And so that's all uh, just a, another step in the evolution of this offense of, of being able to have versatile guys that can fill different roles, that can help you create the matchups you want. Ultimately, you want to have your full strength at, at tight end and, and have that you know accentuate your offense. But if not, you've got to be able to adjust and use these other guys accordingly. Am I, am I mistaken? I thought, or maybe it's just because the Bears haven't had a really good tight end for a while. I thought Trey Burton was really good last year. And for some reason, I'm hearing a lot of people saying that he's he was okay, he was average. I thought what he did, 569 yards, six touchdowns, I thought those were good numbers. You know, 54 catches on 76 targets. What were your thoughts on him from last year? Yeah, I mean, I think you talk games 1 through 16, and you see a guy that put up the numbers that are solid and serviceable, and, and, and that if you could get that production out of him again this year, that you'd be happy with that, uh, if not even getting a little bit more out of that position. Now, I think the the lasting impression is he wasn't available on that first Sunday in January, right. and so all of a sudden that it changed people's impressions of what the first 16 games meant because of how strange that injury was and, and the, the sort of consequences it had for this offense. But I think you're right in saying that his regular season last year was solid, and he did, uh, in it, with a young quarterback and a, and a first-year head coach and an offense that was developing, he did what the Bears paid him to do and, and did have a, a productive year overall. Now it's about making sure you're there in the, the biggest moment when the, when the stage is the biggest. So let me get this right. They did not have a backup for him last year, and they don't have a backup the Ute tight end now? Well, ben Broniker is the backup. It's just Ben Broniker, and so it's just a 
a different level. And, and Broniker's a guy that plays very well in special teams and can do some things mm-hmm. in the passing game, but he's just not the same athlete that Trey Burton is. And he, he's not a guy that's going to be able to uh, make a defense pay. And so, uh, as you guys mentioned, what, what the Eagles did is they were able to devote more attention to Tariq Cohen, and Tariq Cohen was a non-factor in that mm-hmm. playoff game. And all of a sudden, the, uh, the Bears didn't have the same production uh, that people were expecting in that game. So they've got to they got to figure that out. And I, I think Matt is, was brought here to, A, develop Mitch Trubisky into a franchise quarterback, and, B, because he's a, a very sharp offensive mind who knows what he's doing on a week-to-week basis to, to get his team uh, set up for success. And so uh, it'll be a, a, another growing year for Matt to see what he's able to All do. Right. You know, Dan, Murph asked me a question about a half hour ago or hour ago. I just kind of poo-pooed it and, uh, you know, but and shuffled it off, but I I know that he put some thought into it. Otherwise, he wouldn't have asked me. Not not necessarily. <laughs> the question was, you know, you see P- Chuck Pagano come in. He's straight taken over from Vic Fangio. He's running a defense. It's a preseason game. Why exactly do you think he called the blitz for Roquan Smith? You know, honestly, I think it was just a way to get Roquan some action that he needs, and then to to have one play on tape that he can go back and look at and say, okay, this is why this was successful. This is the timing of this play. This is what I need to do to be a, a factor of this defense. And we've heard for several months now that Chuck is going to be a little bit more aggressive with the types of pressures he, he sends out there and the blitzes he sends out there. And so Roquan has a chance this year to, to be a guy who's consistently putting the quarterback on the ground. You know, we've talked about a half dozen sacks for him this year. That's a, a realistic goal for him to reach and so we saw uh, the other night that what happens when when he gets a a, a call that that fits him and and executes it perfectly uh visiting with our buddy dan weeder we'll spring a real quick here chicago tribune our frequent contributor here espn 1000 does a great job i have a uh, twitter i sit down on friday nights and uh you know write some twitter poll questions and let he, the, he says he's not drinking when he does these, let the record I, show <laughs> I, I lock up the beef eater gin and the vermouth on friday nights but here's what i typed i don't know if i want to take credit for writing it it's a uh a question that ties in with what you guys were just saying roquan smith and I called the gut blitz sack. He blitzed up the gut, got the sack. He showed as much speed and quickness as Brian Erlacher. A, yes, he did, Murph. Or B, are you drinking again? No way, Murph. Now, no, this, this one I'm going to go with A on because I, I, I do think that, that Roquan has that special range and that special speed and that ability to cover a lot of ground in a little bit of time. And, uh, there is a lot of high hopes for where this guy's career can go, and this year will be a springboard year in the eyes of most of the people at Hallis Hall. That, that you know, the, the potential is there for Roquan to eventually be alongside Brian in Canton, Ohio. And it's all about making sure that, one, you stay healthy, and number two, you use your gifts. And, and mm-hmm. he's got great gifts similar to Erlocker in terms of his speed and his athleticism and then just his feel for the game. Now, Brian was a different specimen in terms of the – the size and speed combination that Roquan can't match, but but in terms of speed and the ability to cover ground, absolutely, he's in that elite category. I could give you a hug right now, Dan Weeder, <laughs> but let's bring in uh, Big Bad Sean Davis. What the fans vote on this? Did he show as much speed on the uh, gut blitz sack as Brian Erlacher? Yes, he did, or no way. And Murph, when you originally sent this question over to me, I thought definitely Bears fans would think this would be blasphemous. I know. <laughs> I, I, I originally thought that, but 76% of fans agree with Dan. 
and me. Absolutely. That's how, why I put it on there. Yes, he did. Seventy-six <laughs> percent of the fans say yes, he did. <sighs> well, that's good. Uh, Dan, one last thing well, for that's me. Good. You're damning with faint praise there <laughs> to use Dan Jiggett's all line, Fred. <laughs> one, la- one last thing for me, and that is, you know, uh, Nagy said obviously he'd be happy if the next th- pitch, you know, the next pitch, the next throw that uh, Mitch made was, you know, in September. Uh, do you think that we're going to see much more of David Montgomery in these next three games? Yeah, I think they're going to get him a, a little bit more work this next game against the Giants. I think they just want him to to really get some some feelings and, and a taste of what the NFL action and speed is like. And obviously a half dozen touches the other night, he turned those into to some good production and gave everybody a glimpse of what the Bears are expecting this year. So I, I'd expect him to get a little more work against the Giants and then you know possibly be shut down for those last two preseason games and the Bears will turn it over to guys like Kareth White and Ryan Nall and Right. Uh, you guys can go about your uh, your Thursday and Friday nights accordingly. <laughs> yeah, I got I'm, I'm, Fred, I'm glad you brought uh, brought him up. Real quick, we're uh, on the clock in the spring, Dan, but a uh, great quote uh, the other day. Uh, I saw it from you, and, and a lot of the guys had Matt Forte, the great uh, running back, said uh, regarding uh, David Montgomery, I like his vision, his balance, elusiveness. He said you can't coach vision, the measurables. But here's my question. I don't know if anyone mentioned this. I'm watching the game for the second time. Don't ask why. Third quarter, 14-minute mark, the Bears punt. You know who's on punt coverage and driving the uh, return man out of bounds to save a touchdown? Was Montgomery. Now, I've been hearing that uh, you wanted to stay in the game, and coach said, no, no, no. Why in the world was he on punt coverage in the third quarter? You know, they may need him a little bit in that role uh, early on in the year. They're going to have to feel that out and see what they've got there. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, I think, made everybody hold their breath a little bit because it's certainly the last thing you want is your uh, running back that you traded up to get in the draft in April getting hurt on a special teams play in the preseason. And so th- th- it okay. was sort of contrary to everything else we've seen with Matt, <laughs> yeah. putting all his key players in bubble wrap and locking them up and, and saying, you know, <laughs> call me on September 5th and I'll let you guys out. Uh, yeah, it was a little different, and, and okay. I don't know that we're going to see a whole lot more of that, but at least it was a small thing. Should MLB totally ban non-pitchers from pitching in <laughs> games? Oh, I asked Jesse that, but you can vote also. Dan, Major League Baseball, I say, I'm tired of these position players lobbing the ball in there. Heck, they're throwing like Jesse Rogers at the Chicago Dogs when he threw out the first pitch at 51 miles an hour. Do you like that or not, or is, are you busy with the Bears? I'm only behind it if Javi gets more opportunities to bat left. Yes, there you go. I thought that was fun, and I, I think Javi could, could, could take one out of the park, and I want to see him try a couple more times. I'd like to see him in a 16-inch slow-pitch Chicago Park District League lefty. I bet he hit it about 500 feet. Dan, <laughs> Absolutely. I know it's a busy day, and it's great to have you join uh, Murph and Fred on a Saturday. Everyone loves hearing you. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, guys. Talk soon. All right. Appreciate it very much. Hey, it's a gorgeous day to go on out car shopping. And at Fields, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Glenview, they're waiting for you. You will get a low price and a whole lot more. Some dealerships, they advertise prices. Then you go on in there and say, I want this one. They say, well, what are you talking about? We don't have that. Well, at Fields, all their advertised prices are real. They don't change them when you go into the dealership. At Fields, they want to earn your business and will never mislead you to get you in. Go on over. Test drive a car. It's a perfect day to test drive. 
drive. Check out the uh, Jeep Gladiator. Go to Fields, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Glenview, or visit them at FieldCJD.com. Hey, when we return, got some fan uh, focus group Twitter poll questions we have not addressed yet, uh, including can the Bears' 2019 defense right now dominate the NFL like the 85 champs did? You agree? You disagree? Also, last week, Fred, we signed off at noon like we do. The weirdest thing yep. happened at 12.01 okay. and 12.05. And uh, right here on ESPN 1000, I was cleaning up because, you know, Cap said, clean sure. up nice so it looks yeah, good on Monday. Yep. Back in a flash, Murph and Fred, 9 till noon, ESPN 1000. Busy day, Murph and Fred. About another hour to go till noon, always on Saturdays. Uh, a lot of Bears talk, baseball talk. One quick uh, football note here, Fred. I, every year I, I have to ask you this, and then I forget, which is not un, uncommon for me. In football, when there's a snapback in shotgun, and uh, you got a uh, tight end, your wide receiver uh, runs like in motion, and you flip the ball forward to, uh, to him. Yeah. Shovel pass or shuffle pass? Because I always shovel. thought it was shovel. Yes, yeah, so like you're I. digging a hole in the backyard. I've heard now. I've heard people say the other thing. More and more, quote unquote, experts. Yeah. on the radio, TV, everywhere now call it a shuffle. Yeah. pass. Now, what happens in anything in language? Once there enough people, more than fifty percent people yeah. say it wrong. Now they it's right. It. Right. Let's bring in uh, Big Bad Sean. Sean, you're a football guy. I am. You know the play we're talking about. Is that a shovel, like you're digging a hole, or shuffle pass? I always thought it was shovel pass. Yeah, like yeah. The, like in the yeah. backyard, right? right. You're digging shoveling a hole. it to the guy. Right. The motion is kind of underhand like you're shoveling. So, right. Yeah. I'm just checking. Just checking. Yeah. So if everyone starts saying shuffle, then I, we sound wrong. That's okay. I've sounded wrong my whole life. <laughs> I don't care. I, hey. mean, I made a career out of it. Fred, when we come back, I'm the old man in the yard. How many? Get off my uh, lawn. Come on. How many? Uh, how many bears that are not starters right now? We'll do this after eleven o'clock. Would probably start for uh, maybe another team in the NFL. That one's right? that one's tough because it, okay. it's hard to know all the other guys no, on all the other teams. Okay, but, and you know. uh, let's see. Uh, can the Cubs win? Without production at second base, all right. Well, they've tried to. They've tried enough guys at second base, so we'll see how you know how many more they're going to try there. Well, I don't think they have many more options. Do you know they've also used six catchers this year? Yes, that's true. With Lucroy along uh-huh. with Contreras, Caratini, Maldonado, yeah. Davis, and you got to throw Kyle Schwarber in there. Yeah. And as someone asked me about a week or so ago, they said, "You think why doesn't Schwarber catch?" And I said, "I'm sure he'll volunteer." Little did I know that's exactly what he did. He basically walked in with his catcher's glove and say, "Hey, I can help out here." Now, did you notice when he did the emergency catching? He did not squat. I didn't notice yeah. that. See, he didn't go down with both knees bent down like in a, a traditional, conventional squat. Yeah, he did like. One sort of knee on the ground, and then the other leg sort of uh, protruding a little bit in an okay. upright. So his knees are not 
built at this time to do a, a, a real squat. So uh, any of our earlier topics, we've got a lot to cover. Got some uh, more Bears sound bites, fan focus, Twitter poll, back to some Cubs talk, all that and more. Jump in. Any of our earlier topics, 332-3776. Vote now at ESPN 1000. downtown chicago on state street that great street we are live from the first midwest bank studios this is wmvp chicago Uno, dos, one, two, tres, cuatro. welcome back hour number three murph and fred glad you're with us Beautiful day. Remember the old expression, good sleeping weather. Open up the windows at night. That's your kind of weather, Fred. Yeah, we never open our windows. <laughs> Too much dust can come in. Um, the other thing, but it's been it's been so nice every day. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, the lower humidity has been really nice, yeah. nice and comfortable. It's been like a week straight. We're supposed to get some rain coming up in the next day or two, I think Monday. But otherwise, it's been off. I, actually, my grass needs rain. And a way to kill crabgrass. One of those, mm. both of those things I need right well, now. You go down by hand and you pull it up. Yeah, that, yeah, that'll well, happen. Then I'd have nothing left. We're just lucky the weather's not like this 365 because everybody, everybody would want to live here. Everybody yeah. move here, yeah. Or move back, one of the two. <laughs> so many people complain, oh, it's so cold, it's so cold. Yeah. How about, uh, like, in, in the winter? Think about that when it's like this. Yeah. In the winter... People you just at least to live here, they move now to Arizona and they, oh, it's 72 degrees. I hear yeah. you have a blizzard. They ain't been talking lately when it's, you know, 120. Yeah, it's crazy. Over yeah. in Europe has, has experienced their hottest mm-hmm. their hottest uh, summer ever. Saw that. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Spain and France and Germany, all of those. Um, it's unbelievable. All right, a couple of topics. You're welcome to join in or any of our earlier subjects, 332-3776. Area code remains 312. In a few minutes, Fred, we're going to break down how many of the Bears players now that don't start could be starters on other teams. This is like a look at the depth uh-huh. of the Bears, you know. Uh, Cub fans, can the Cubs win... Whatever you want as a definition of win. Can the Cubs win without production at second base? Three three two three seven seven six. And uh, let's see, a couple of Twitter polls we haven't had time to digest yet. All right, uh, in preseason games, Bears fans, this is for you at ESPN 1000 in preseason games. Used to be called exhibition games. In preseason games, is it more important for uh, Nagy and Pace to uh, learn about, uh, A, the starters, B, the non-starters? All right. Uh, Let's see here. Oh, all right. Headline. This is another Twitter poll question. Headline. Yes or no? Headline this week. Soldier failed to get Hallis Payton statues. Right. Should Mike Ditka also get a statue? Yes or no? Vote at ESPN 1000, 332-3776. Let's see. And uh, baseball fans get the results soon of every team in a division. You know, National League Central, American League Central. If every team in a given division finished 81-81, and I can't wait to see the results on this. Would you say the division was, A, a weak division, or B, a strong division? All right? Okay. We'll break that all down in a a few minutes. I used to struggle with long division. So, 
But well, actually, it's funny because yeah. I actually can do it. Yeah. Where people nowadays, if it's not on a calculator, not a chance. Well, I know how we learned it. Batting averages. Yeah. Yes, it is. Back when you were a kid. Uh-huh. Oh, Ron Sin, it was uh, 30 for uh, 120. Well, now I know it's 250. Yeah. Well, how about two for nine? Two for nine was real easy because that's 222. Oh, I didn't know three that. For, I'm pretty sure. That three, sounds right. Three for nine, 333. Yeah, because one four for, nine for nine is 111. Four for nine, 444. Ah, five for nine, 555. tricky nines. You got to come up with the easy You got to come up with the easy ones. Got to you know? love the nines. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how long right. division I just, you know, I learned something at uh, Our Lady of the Mount uh, grade school. Someone uh, touched base and they said, Murph, the uh, Cubs are going to be playing uh, the Pirates, is it, or the Philly, and Williamsburg. Port Pennsylvania, right? Yeah. Uh, it's not 180 feet down the lines. It's not a little league field and 200. I know that. Yeah, I know that because actually in, in West Cicero it was 200 all the way around. I'm pretty sure 200 to left, 200 to center, 200 to right. I grew up in Cicero. There's not too much I believe in unless I see it. See, so center wasn't nearly as bad. <laughs> you hit with a dead center, you well, get the same distance. Is that the field where if you hit a real far, it went up on the Burlington train tracks? Wasn't there one over there near Ogden? No, uh, no. back in there. Oh, there's one at Goss that was in South Cicero. Yeah. That was closer. Yeah, yeah it's like where Ogden goes under the underpass over back, but to just uh, east of, uh, oh, south over there. About, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was a different one. That was in Berwyn somewhere. Okay, okay that I was in yeah. Berwyn. Yeah. I only know Cicero. Those were tough umpire Little League games. Because uh, <laughs> yeah. you know why? Both, both sides, the parents didn't like you. Yeah. They drive up, they already were ready. They're already, you know, a little lubricated. They're already mad at the ump. It's not a new thing that parents are yelling no. at umpires no, in middle no, no. games. No, not at all. That's not a new thing. It's happened for decades. All right, so Cub fans, can the Cubs win without production at second base? Now, I had made a rule in my mind, an embargo. That's our favorite word today. I was going to do an embargo on a certain ball player because I don't want to be the old one-trick pony and keep talking about this I know guy. who you're embargoing. All right, so I'm not even going to say his name. Okay. So, He's got initials. So last week, he could have been a disc jockey uh-huh. with those initials, yes, right? could have been. So last week, Murph and Fred, we sign off around at noon, you know. Well, the show ends exactly at noon. Right. So I'm cleaning up this stuff here because Caps has a big sign here. Clean up the studio on the weekends because that shows that you're dedicated. Okay, fine. <laughs> now, that was a good bit he had going there for a couple of weeks. Well, was- you know, and he did that only because Mitch mentioned it about cleaning in the locker room. And it all comes from Nagy in uh, a book that oh, Nagy yeah. read. Right. So it all came from that. And uh, it makes sense. But then they showed a picture. Uh, Black and uh, Zetterman sent mm-hmm. a picture of uh, they tweeted out a picture of Cap's desk. <laughs> nah, it's not anywhere close to being clean. That's good. I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah. So usually if you have a computer or an iPad, you don't need all this stuff on your desk. And we pointed out last week how he has perfect uh, grammar, uh, does uh, Trubisky, which people don't care. Like, you know, be- between you and me, right. he said, uh-huh. which to me shows someone that's really dedicated and trying to, you know, do the little things right. But, uh, oh, what's that? Go to the phones? All right. Uh, Jay wants to vote from Lockport. Now on ESPN 1000 with Murph and Fred. Hey, Jay. Hey, Jay. Let me try again. Is Jay potted up there, Sean? Okay. We'll put we'll put Jay back on hold. He was going to vote and say that Ditka deserves a statue. All right. Uh-huh. There we go. Hey, I'm sorry, Jay. Is that you? 
Yeah, what's up, fellas? I love your show. Love the show. Thank you, Jay. Hey, buddy. So uh, everybody saw the headlines this week. Soldier Field to get Hallis Payton statues. So I just threw out there, you know, should Mike Ditka get a statue? Yes or no? Couldn't be much simpler than that. How do you vote? Well, I've been embargoing Dick for my whole life, and I'll say he definitely, definitely deserves a statue. Definitely. Why? Don't you agree? Why? Well, look what he's done for our city. He's a Hall of Fame player for the Bears. He's the only Bears coach that I or my father remembers bringing us to the Super Bowl and winning. You know, he, he was super dedicated, and he's an all-around good guy in the city, dude. I mean, he does a lot for our city, you know? So I, I'd say why not? He played for the championship. They now they call it the Super Bowl. In '63, yeah, right. he won the Super Bowl as a player, and then he won the. Now I know a lot of people. Good, Jay. Thanks a million, nice buddy. Going, Jay. Thanks. Pre- appreciate your call. All right, pal. Appreciate it. I know a lot of people. I, you know, it was great sport uh, in this town, especially on the early days of sport talk radio. You know, to make fun of them. Uh-huh. All right, that's fine. That's what makes the world go around. As Chuck Swirsky used to go, what? that's why there's chocolate and vanilla. Maybe the Swirskis listened. Love you, love you, Chuck. But uh, even though it was great sport to make fun of him, I never understood. I never got it. You know, I happened to be around Fred uh, in 63 when the Bears won. Now they call it the Super Bowl. And Ditka was a key member. And then he's the coach and they win it again. How, Listen, how can that not be amazing? It's, it's Everybody likes to make fun of either one, what they don't understand, or two, hmm. when if, if, it's not, if it's not something that they agree with. And uh, mm-hmm. Ditka's old school. When it comes to some of the ways he, you know, played the game, coached the game, and things like that, yeah, and uh, so a lot of people, uh, you know, criticized him for that. But uh, you know, he did nothing but uh, bring a championship to the city, yeah. and uh, and uh, a, a steakhouse that has some pretty good food. Let's bring in uh, Big Bad Sean and see what the fans have. Uh... Big Sean. Big Sean. Big bad Big Sean. All right, Sean Davis today. Sean, what the fans say? Uh, tell me first, though, please. Is it close or a runaway? Should Mike Ditka get a statue along with George Hallis and Walter Payton? It's actually the closest vote of the day. Interesting. All right, lay it on us. 60% of the fans say that, yes, Mike Ditka should mm-hmm. receive a statue. Out in front of Soldier Field, forty percent right. say no. Now we don't know necessarily if he's not going to, do we? Well, no, we, we bo- just know that uh, Hallis and Payton are the first ones. Hey, you're an attorney at law yeah. today. That was very good. I like what you did there. <laughs> so we don't know that for sure that you know he won't, uh-huh. uh, because I mean, think about it. If it, anybody's ever been to Comerica Park or the way the White Sox do it, I mean, how many? John, I haven't been to a Sox game in a while. How many what, former White Sox are? are emblazoned in, you know, statues statues all around the outfield out there. At first it was one, then it was two, then you got you got Fisk and Thomas and Canerco and Baines. Canerco Baines. Uh, my famous so is uh, Nellie Fox and Louie turning the double play out there in center field. Well, that should, uh, that should be there if it's not. It is. No, no. There we go. There's oh, another one. Yeah, they're turning two. So, I mean, pretty soon they're going to have to eliminate seats to put statues in there. <laughs> you know, and now they'll probably have one of Bill Walton's since they think he's a big deal. Jeez. You had to bring that up. I did. You? I did. Just the, because. The bigger question is, stupidity. should he get one before Buckus? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Should Ditka get one before Buckus? Yes. See, I think. Well, see, Butkus didn't coach the 85 champ. And he didn't win. So. He wasn't with the 63 no, champs either. No. 
Could you imagine? We always talk so much about the draft. How do you, how do you have a draft where you get Gale Sayers and Dick Butkus? You don't win anything. Because they, they only had two players. That's Basically, that was it. No, really? One guy scored six touchdowns in a game. They were fortunate they beat the Niners that day at Wrigley Field. You know, this question that we talked earlier, one of our Twitter's fellas, you know, for the Bears to reach the Super Bowl, Mitch Trubisky has to be good, very good, or great. That was a couple hours ago. And Dan Weider voted, you know, very good. Fine. Let me just say this. The 63 champs and the 85 champs, had quarterbacks, both world number nine, Bill Wade uh-huh. and uh, Jim McMahon. Would you say, and I, I saw Bill Wade, he handed off and the defense won it, but he never made any mistakes. He'd throw the quick little look in pass to Ditka for seven yards down the middle, and, uh, you know, there'd be six, seven points. So, Jim McMahon, we all know what he did, even if you, you know, are a younger fan. Would you say that Jim McMahon was a uh, good quarterback very good or great that bill wade good very good or great well i'll tell you right now bill wade was a good quarterback right he never really won any games they're the best defense in football they they won games 16 13 you know things like that and he handed off and threw little short passes and they won the uh now they call it the super bowl jim mcmahon charismatic crazy punky qb you know everyone loved him at the time and you know god god love him he was always there with the you know hit hit, you know silky d down the side i mean yeah but he was uh, not a great quarterback he was not great Uh -uh. you could say good or very good yeah so i think the overall point of the question for the bears to reach the super bowl mitch trubisky has to be good very good or great with this defense you'll have to be good i think that i think you're right i think all you do is need to be good and not turn the ball over in yeah. key situations and uh i think trubisky's going to be fine it's i i have a hard time this year and i don't know when it started i have a hard time caring much about preseason football and even training camp until you know, I, I can't wait for September 5th, the Thursday night against the Packers at Soldier Field because I'm having a real hard time mm-hmm. continuously discussing about, well, will Mitch be good? Is Mitch going to be good? How he doesn't have Mitch to gonna, be great. We we, well, first of all, it doesn't matter. Yeah. What, we're, what we're saying is right. it doesn't really matter. Okay, exactly. and then we'll, we'll find out what happens. Mitch is going to be what Mitch is going to be. But with this defense and with you know what I saw from David Montgomery, it was nice huh. to see a guy who we probably haven't seen because I don't know how much Iowa State uh, football you watched. But it was nice to see a guy. And the jump cut, that's all I need to see from yep. him. Because the Bears don't want him. Tariq Cohen can make that move. You don't learn that move. But that's you. Jordan Howard didn't make that move. That wasn't a Jordan Howard type move, but that was a Tariq Cohen move, and it's, it was great to see a guy like that. And uh, you know they've got a deep wide receiver core if they can keep him healthy. Uh, the defense is ridiculously good. They've got they've got they've got a defensive line behind their defensive line that could pr- probably start on most of the teams around the league. It's amazing what he can do. We read the quote uh, uh, earlier today from. Uh uh, Matt Forte, uh, one of the Bears' great, you know, load backs in the past. About I like his vision, his balance. But here, you know who does a great job? He, he was on the uh, ES, on ESPN 1000. Jim Miller uh, was on, and he talked a lot about him. But here was Dan Weederer, and uh, he says something. Now he's been covering the uh, uh, Bears, of course, and he's a regular contributor here. This was earlier this week. Now you mentioned Jordan Howard. 
Yeah. Fred, that's uh, reminding me that we have this cut here. I don't think it needs much of a setup. This was earlier this week. Miss a little, miss a lot. Here's uh, Dan Wiederer talking about not just uh, uh, Montgomery, but he mentions at the very end, listen closely, uh, Jordan Howard. You get the touchdown run, beautiful run, an ability to, to, to basically run into a clogged hole and notice that quickly, react quickly, and, and get to that, that open green grass and, and turn it into a touchdown. The screen pass as well was another example where David Montgomery is very patient coming out of the backfield on that play and, and, and catching that screen pass and letting things sort of play out in front of him. Those two plays alone were plays that Jordan Howard had no prayer of making. Stop the tape. He's yep. exactly right. Yep. Remember a lot of fans and experts, oh, I don't know, Jordan Howard, man, pretty important. He he might be important. Where'd he end up? Philly? I can't even, doesn't matter. Yeah, Philly. Point is, he had no business being in this system. All he did was handcuffed the creativity on the whiteboard, drawn up crazy plays as a mad scientist who I love, Matt Nagy. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, I, I mean, they, they went out and get a guy in the third round, and uh, what he can do is pretty amazing. He also, if you remember, you mentioned in the third quarter how he was on special teams. Mm. If I'm not mistaken, he got the penalty on the first uh, one. He did, on the first on the one. First, on the first yeah, punt. You're exactly right. Yeah. Now, the first punt coverage in the first period, they uh, flagged him. Uh, uh, in the back, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> first quarter, the 12.02 mark, he got flagged. Yeah. So he wanted to make sure he made the uh, made the stat book. Then third quarter, Maggie's got him out there covering a punt at fourteen eleven. The first punt uh, in the uh, second half. Yeah, saved a touchdown, pushing the guy out of bounds. One more guy might have had a deep angle, but I'm going. I actually replayed it three times to then, make sure it was him. Then I went to my damn phone and went to ESPN Sports NFL scores, and then you go, and then play-by-play, scrolling through the damn play-by-play to triple-check, and it's a, yep, Montgomery, Montgomery. first out of bounds. Tell you, touch, he got credit for the tackle, first him out of bounds. Uh-huh. What's he doing? Yep. And then there was play this week on Friday. Well, you know, he has to get back in the game after those first series or whenever he was in, and oh, no, no, you've had enough. And I put him back in the third quarter. Yeah. What do I? Know? I like what I saw. I like what I saw from him. Riley Ridley's practicing today. He made some catches. That's it, nice to see. I'll tell you one thing. Get him healthy. You're right. You know, how many times have we seen? That was the Bears' second overall pick, fourth round, right? Because they had no first yeah. and second. Yeah. Fourth overall pick, Riley Ridley. He's a possession guy. He's not a speed guy, from what I, you know, read. How many times have we seen in our lifetimes, since 1920, Fred? Since the Decatur Staley's, when a wide receiver is selected in about the fourth round, and then he's dinged up all the time. Yeah. Or not all the When he's dinged up, you know what? It never has turned out, in my recollection, good. I'm, I'm just saying. Well, well, yeah. I mean, I don't know how I much. I got nothing to base this on this time. I'm just saying. Yeah. I, I, I think, uh, he, you know, his, his brother's a tremendous receiver for Atlanta. Mm-hmm. We'll see. And uh, he's not the same type of receiver as you mentioned, but he's a guy that can catch the ball, got good hands. And, uh, you know, that's that's a key. I know it's a silly thing to say, but it's a key for huh. a receiver to have good hands. Yeah. And Riley Ridley's a guy that's got good hands. Well, he's, so. a, he's a top yeah. possession receiver. He is. I still didn't like the answers from Dan Weeder about who the backup is to Trey Burton. Not that I didn't like it. I didn't like what he said. Ben Brodicker. I didn't like it. Not that I was upset uh, with Dan Weeder. Yeah. I didn't like what I was hearing that 
Here's the question. Can Ian Bunting make the squad? Well, Hinsdale Central. Ian Bunting, a Hinsdale Central guy. And then Thomas Ives was catching passes. There I think were it was Thomas two Ives. Two receivers yesterday. Tight end. Yeah, it is Thomas Ives. They graduated uh, Hinsdale, Hinsdale Central. Central in 2014. Amazing. So young guys. And, uh, yeah, it's nice to see they're actually getting a chance here in their hometown. Yeah. Was that Bunting and Ives, two young guys? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jim Miller. This guy's fun to listen to. Now, he made uh, an appearance, Jim Miller, with Caparoo, the Cap and Friends, Cap and Company, Thursday morning, it was about that 9.30, and he had a couple thoughts. Thursday and, or Friday morning? Uh, Thursday morning? Before the, the game? Jim Miller, Thursday, yes, okay. thank you, prior okay. to the game. You're exactly right. And he was doing some general talk about uh, the playbook, uh, offense uh, different from last year, a little bit of how Trubisky has grown. But the one thing he'll say in the second cut is really key. Here's Jim Miller. Uh, what about 2018, 2019 camp, the QB? Last year when I came to camp and all this offense, that nagging, it's, it's voluminous that he was getting thrown at him. You know, you could see he was kind of frantic in the pocket. This year, he was just smooth, calm, cool, you know, taking it with stride. He had good command uh, of the huddle, and I thought he looked really smooth in terms of his drops and, and his timing. So I, I expect another big jump from him. Jim Miller, who played the game, yep. did a, had a terrific year, one of the best statistical years for a Bears quarterback, I believe, of all time that one year, right? Now, see, people think, I don't know what, I remember a couple shows ago, Fred, I said, how many uh, years of experience does Trubisky really have in the NFL? Right. Considering that the first year under Fox really was, hmm, how do we phrase it? Nothing. No, it's a throwaway. It was, it, it, yeah. did it even, sure, he learned a few things. Yeah, I don't know what people said. No, 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 he learned just playing 12 games in the NFL in 2017. I. Now Jim Miller continues, and here's the payoff. He's talking now about Matt Nagy, the playbook. Okay. How much of the playbook was in, in effect last year? In other words, compared to how much of the playbook is in effect this year? If you're driving, listening right now, make, take a little guess in your head. You know, no prize, don't call in. Well, you know, gee, he must have had at least, I don't know. Let's listen. This is amazing. The quote I got from Matt Nagy at the end of last year is they only had, they, through the whole year, they only went through 40%. 40% of their offense. So there is still a lot to get to. How about that? A lot to get to. That's amazing. Yep. yep. They only had 40% of the playbook last yeah. year. Now, since you uh, had a great attorney's angle before, it doesn't say they're going to have 100% this year. No. No, I doubt that they will. All right. Let's say, can they double it to 80%? Sure. Sure, and then there's going to be plays that they ran last year that were in the playbook that they decided, you know what, these are good plays, but maybe not for Mitch. Maybe not for our our receivers. Yeah, or not so, yet. Right, we'll take them out right now. We'll put other ones in. So we'll see how much of the playbook actually gets used. But I'm, I'm eager to see what happens on September 5th against the Packers. Because mm. we're not going to see it the rest of the, ne- the next three play, uh, games. Next Friday, they play the Giants. We'll be here to talk about it afterwards, but... We'll be talking about a bunch of guys that aren't probably aren't going to play anymore. That's right. They play Friday night. Next Friday night in New York. Sean, you're here next Saturday, right? No, Eric's back next Saturday. The schedule says you, my friend. Well, <laughs> no. It's two weeks that Eric's here. We have a short show. Or is that next week for the fantasy show? 
The fantasy show is next Saturday, right? No, two weeks. <laughs> okay, then you're right. I'm back next Saturday, and Eric's back to, for the fantasy show. Yeah, the fantasy show is the 24th. Get Randy Merkin on the blower. Back in a flash. The Sox played a gay game yesterday. Yes, we'll they did. We'll get back on the baseball beat. I want to hear why they did that. I've been telling Brooks Boyer for years. But he doesn't listen. I go, play some day games uh, Monday through Friday. Back in a flash at ESPN 1000. Welcome back. Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner. Busy day. Three hours, nine till noon. We got a lot to shove in here. Fred, how do you think the fans voted on this? Uh, the Twitter poll question was, if every team in a... Major League Baseball division, you know, Sox are in the American League Central, right. Cubs in the If all five teams were to finish 81 and 81, would you say the division was weak or strong? So, uh, I think it's a, it's a tough question. I think they say weak. All right. I, I had asked the question to uh, Jeff Passon a while ago about the NL Central, hmm. saying I thought it was a real strong division, but when they're when I asked the question, the teams were all pretty close. And uh, he said, yeah, I did too. He goes, but now I'm starting to think it's a weak division. <laughs> so right there we were splitting two. You know, what else is interesting. We won't do it now, but uh, you play, you know, interleague games against different divisions. The National League Central plays the American League West. You play about 15, 16 games, and that's a tough division. But all divisions have, like, bottom feeders right. and lights out team. So it's a really tough, complex question just to look at the numbers. Get John DeWan on the phone. If every team finished 81 and 81 in a division, do you think uh, that division would be known as a weak or strong division? What the fans say there? Big bad Sean. Well, of course, this one has become closer than any other poll question in like the last 15 minutes. Weak is the winner this week. But by how much? What are the numbers? Mm, slim. 54 to 46. Ah, that's a statistical tie, basically. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Plus or minus 4% yeah. deal. Yeah. It's very close. How do you break that down? How do you... I guess a John Dewan guy would have to really run some intricate numbers as to all the 30 teams, who are they playing, and you got interleague games and your own division. I mean, I think it's pretty simplistic just to say what's weaker. It's, I don't think it's answerable. Just based on, you know, how, how would you know? It, yeah. You all five teams could be like, let's say there were five teams like the Dodgers in the National League West, and they all finished 81-81. Right. Those are all great teams. Sure. Or let's say there were five teams like the uh, Royals in a division, and they all finished 81-81. Well, they'd probably yeah. be weak. But yep. how do you know? <laughs> yeah. So, I, the best two divisions for what we're talking about yeah. would probably be the National League East and the National League Central. Really? Best teams, all right, teams cool. that are the lead. The Cubs are ten games over five hundred with the lead. Yeah. Everybody yeah. else is right at five hundred. Uh-huh. Milwaukee's five games over five hundred. It's the same thing for National League East. Yeah, I know. Uh, Atlanta has a little bit better record, but then you have Washington, the Mets, and <laughs> Philadelphia all half a game. I know within within each other. So. And they're basically 500 teams, just a little bit over 500. So is that a weak division? I don't know, but how do you equate all five teams when they play each other 19 times each and the different divisions? It's it's really a a brain buster, you know, but 
That's something I don't want to get involved in. Can the Bears' defense this year dominate the NFL like the 85 champs dominated the NFL on defense? I learned my lesson last week, Fred. I worded it wrong. Okay. I said, uh, uh, can the 2019 Bears' defense be as good as the 1985 Bears' defense? Right. And I quickly realized that that was a poor attempt to try to get to a uh, point, which is this defense is pretty darn good. But, you know... Oh, they had Dent, they got McMichael, you got Hampton, look at the defense, single, I mean, you know, it's hard to... It's very hard. So I worded it incorrectly. But, I mean, the guys you have, I mean, the line you have and, uh, you know, what you're going to bring with Akeem Hicks, Khalil Mack, Roquan Smith, it's a really good defense, Leonard Floyd hopefully getting one year better, you know, and then what you got with Eddie Jackson, and yeah, it's going to be pretty, uh, pretty amazing, I can't wait. Well, let's go to the uh, Twitter poll results. Uh, what the fans say here, Can the yes or no, can the Bears' defense this year dominate the NFL? As we all know, the 85 champs dominated the NFL. Well, coming out of that big Bears defense. weekend, yeah. Eddie Jackson was on our airways, and he said that they wanted to be better than the 85 uh, Bears' defense. And I guess fans agree. 60% of fans believe that this Bears defense, this version uh-huh. of the Monsters of the Midway, mm-hmm. can be, indeed be better than the 1985 Bears. No, we didn't ask that. We said, can they be dominant well, like the 85 dom- Bears were in the NFL? Same, Don't get me the, back in the, the trick. No, I did that last the numbers, week. The numbers are the same, Murph. <laughs> 60% to All 40%. Right. Thank you. Yeah, I think they can. I think they can definitely be dominant. Uh-huh. And it's funny, I, I just think... I would like to go back like every week and just watch that game against the Rams at Soldier Field again. Oh man! Just go back and watch that again, and then but then that will aggravate you because you realize that you were this close to being able to play the Rams again. Uh huh. If you didn't get the uh, missed field goal, I know. Get the what if Bella worked out. Yeah. What if Knucklehead had caught the uh, intercepted the pass against the Packers in Game One? Was that Fuller? Dropped it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Went on to have a pretty good year. Yeah, he did. No, he had a great year. Other than the uh, last minutes of the Packer game one, maybe that made him focus more, huh? Something had to. That was terrible. How do you drop a ball like that? So how come the White Sox played a uh, Zranga's belly? I mean, there's no one near him. That's the game. Most likely. Uh, so the White Sox played a day game Friday. I thought that was so cool. I've long advocated uh, in the summer that Brooks Boyer, you know, may, maybe every Wednesday, dedicated day so fans get used to it. You know, day game Wednesday or sure. getaway Thursdays, a lot of getaway days where they're sort of forced by rule to play day games, you know. Yeah. But what was the deal on a Friday? Yeah, I don't even know. Well, I do know, but I didn't know until till the other day. Uh-huh. Um, I did know that they were going to show the movie Field of Dreams on the Jumbotron, so they played an afternoon game, a 2-10 game. It seemed like a cute little thing to do, yeah. Field of Dreams, 30th cool. anniversary. Uh-huh. Little did we know, everybody else, the, the White Sox obviously knew, that the day before that game, they were going to announce that they were playing the New York Yankees at the Field of Dreams. That's right. So that made all, now it made all the sense in the world <laughs> to be doing that. So they obviously knew that way ahead of time. And that's why they planned it, scheduled it for the Friday. That's mm-hmm. why the announcement came out the day, the day before. Um, you know, they knew stuff that we didn't know. So, uh, cool. that's why they did it. They played it at 210. Yeah. It was cool. a, 
It was a horse bleep game for the White Sox. And uh, then people got to sit around and watch um, Feel the Dreams. The, the part that was depressing to me. Yeah. During the broadcast, they did a thing, their quick question or whatever it was, one of their things they do on NBC Sports Chicago. And they were asking the players what their favorite, who their favorite character was or what their favorite part of. On the Murph and Fred show? No, of the Feel the Dreams movie. And the first three guys they asked, Two of them came flat out and said we didn't we don't didn't see the movie. And the third guy says, Yeah, you have to give me some time. I can't really remember. It's before they were born. It doesn't matter. And then Lucas Giolito, you're a baseball fan. You would think somewhere along the line, as a player, you would see Field of Dreams, one of the great baseball movies of all time. And they're baseball players. They're, they're not matter. movie watchers, You would think you perhaps. would see that. Uh-huh. You, you, what else do you do? You're not playing baseball 24-7. Oh, yeah. Kids don't do that nowadays because they only play in <laughs> organized leagues. They don't go out and play. Yeah. So instead of watching movies, I guess they were playing video games. Uh-huh. They should put the video games down and go watch some of the movies. Movies that they've missed. Don't play over the Little years. League in the East Berwyn Little League. Unbelievable! But it yeah. was nice to see that Lucas Giolito was breaking it down. He said one of his favorites was when he was talking about the uh, uh, James Earl Jones character mm-hmm. and the book that he wrote and how uh, Kevin Costner was trying to get him to go to a game and all that stuff. And oh, he, yeah. so he broke it down. So that was very very cool. But I was I was kind of embarrassed, uh, and you know I felt bad for these players that have not seen the movie Field of Dreams. I know we got a lot to get to real quick here, Fred. It would be like me not seeing the movie Broadcast News. That was classic. Yeah. Pete, but, how many people? Sean, do you ever see Broadcast News? Flop sweat. Yeah. Okay. There, there, there you go, there you Sean. Go. Yeah. See it's a movie that anybody that is involved in the media should see. Fred, I got about, we have a thousand things to get to here in the next few minutes. So the uh, Tribune is doing their Bears Countdown 100. I know, you uh, keep it up with that a lot. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And uh, Mark Potash is going to be a, doing it. Uh, I, I don't want to tell Mark. I've had enough already. For the Sun-Times. <laughs> I know it's a long season. And it we hasn't know started yet. Bears.com, Larry Mayer and the guys, they have already done the, uh, uh, that was with uh, our old buddy Danny Pompey and the great Don Pearson. Yep. They but, did a whole book. Yeah. The 100 Celebration. Yeah. So Will Larkin is his name. He's doing a great job every day the Tribune. So about a week or two ago, uh, Charles Tillman, number 38 out of the top 100. Okay, they're working away from 100 to number okay. one. Peanut Tillman. Now, you know, I'm the one that named, uh, called it, coined a peanut punch, but uh, no one seems to want to believe it. And I don't, I don't really. think he does even. Oh, but. he doesn't know who coined it. I know I did. Okay. But it doesn't matter. I got more things to, to worry about than, you know, patting myself. Oh, match. I thought you meant patent, P-A-T-E. No, patenting. Thank you. Patent yourself. So uh, I always stood by the, uh, uh, I thought, uh, the belief that every time the peanut punch occurred, <clears throat> it was a personal foul unless he hit only the football. All ball. Now, right. this occurred in the Bears game uh, Thursday night. Uh, Carolina. Yeah, against Ian Bunting, our guy. Yeah, Carolina. Yeah. Now, he punched and he hit 100% football and it coughed out. Popped right out, right? Now, if he'd have hit any of his arm or stomach, I believe there's a rule. You can't walk up to the ball carrier and just punch him in the stomach. There may not be a rule. Oh, there is. There may not be in the rule book. Well, I'm, I'm assuming there is because I know there is. Yeah, new referees, maybe they okay. don't know those rules. But if you hit 100% of the ball, 
it's then right. therefore clean. Yeah. Now, you had a great interview. It was about a year ago now. I was listening. We talked about it once with the Charles Tillman. He was wonderful, right there, sitting right there. Wonderful yep. interview. Great guy. Terrific. And... Uh, you, you probably ran out of things on your yellow pad because oh, no. I, was I was it was scheduled. And you I brought asked it up. him about it, yeah. And, and you said to him, "I it, said, what have you know? Isn't it? Wouldn't it be a foul if you hit the went to hit the ball and missed?" At least you could have said like you didn't say like Murph said. Thank goodness, thank you. Well, I said we had talked about it for a while, and, right? And basically, he said he didn't really care. Now, so here's Will Larkin. He does the 100 down to number one every day in the Tribune. Charles Tillman, headline, peanut punch, in quotes, helped turn the cornerback into a master of the takeaway. Okay, so I'm thinking, all right, let's see what Will Larkin thinks. By the way, let's invite Will Larkin on. He does a great job. It's difficult, very difficult, Will Larkin uh, writes, for a cornerback to dominate a game uh, when uh, one is at his best. The ball rarely is really thrown his way. Charles Tillman found a unique way to do it. His peanut punch shifted many games' momentum and made him a hero among Bears fans. While most fumbles are forced when a defensive player's helmet or shoulder pad pops the ball out of the carrier's hands or a pass rusher slaps it from an unsuspecting quarterback, Tillman used his fist to jab the seemingly secure ball from a back or a receiver. Fred, I invite you to read the next. If he you're... said the move was tricky. If he missed the ball and hit the player, it could result in an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty or an ejection. If he missed both, it could make for a blooper reel missed tackle. If he missed the ball and hit the player, it could result in an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Right. That's all. I just needed one person uh, to acknowledge. Yep. Thank you. Thank you, Will Larkin. A quick update in Bears stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, Matt Nagy talking after Bears practice today. He did not think that the Anthony Miller foot injury was serious. And uh, this from our buddy Arthur Arkish. He says, how much more work will David Montgomery get after his excellent preseason debut? And uh-huh. uh, Matt Nagy said, put it this way. I'm going to protect David from David. So apparently he wants to be out there playing, and Nagy's going to have to do a good job of uh, not putting him out there. But he hasn't ruled out special team punt did, coverage. They didn't. If they did ask <laughs> that, they did not retweet it. So I can't believe it. Yeah. Uh, Murph and Fred, I know we got to get back to what happened at 12 o'clock last Saturday. Back in a flash, Murph and Fred, ESPN 1000. Yeah, Jesse had some good stuff. We've been uh, bouncing back and forth between baseball and football. I believe that uh, if Ian Happ or a second baseman for the Cubs doesn't provide production, it's going to be tough. The last couple of days, other than last night, it's been magical yeah. as far as Happ. Where'd he come from? He's driving the ball. He's hitting the ball. And, of course, Castellanos, can he keep it up? I hope he can as a Cub fan. Yeah, I, I He gets like a him. boost. You know, sure, he gets a man. And uh, Sean was saying, you know, off the air, he gets a boost from changing from, you know, coming over from the Detroit Tigers. So see if that continues. Second base. Oh, man. I decided, Fred, I was going to embargo and never bring it up again. Uh, DJ. DJ LeMail. He had two shots at him. He traded him once there. Yep. And then he, I said, I'm not going to talk about it anymore. So last week, 
We noon. finished the show. We finished the show, and we're throwing it over uh, to uh, Major League Baseball, ESPN, coast to coast, the Yankees and the Red Sox. Yep. And the first thing I hear is this: Who is their MVP candidate? Do you say DJ LeMay? He yeah, was he their guy? I, I do. Uh, he's been. I mean, that Swiss Army knife, uh, if you will. Not exactly what you expected for a player who primarily was a second baseman, uh. Uh, or almost exclusively as a Colorado Rocky. But he changes leagues. He comes over into uh. arguably the toughest market to play in and we say that hey new york can either eat people up or make them superstars and for dj lemayhew a guy who doesn't like the spotlight uh he's kind of been thrust into it with his play and it, you can put him anywhere in the infield uh and he's just uh, been outstanding Shambi, chris singleton but that's not that's not it so about two minutes i'm packing the bag yep. up here you know uh-huh. had 30 pounds to put into the 10 pound bag and they're not done Born in California, D.J. LeMahieu's family moved to Michigan, where his baseball career began to blossom at Brother Rice High School. After graduating, he was selected by the Tigers in the 41st round of the 2007 Amateur Draft. Didn't want but instead of signing with Detroit, LeMahieu decided to play for a different Tiger, SEC powerhouse uh-huh. LSU. Yep. While in Baton Rouge, he helped lead the Bayou Bengals to the mm-hmm. College World Series. Mm-hmm. Not once, yeah. but twice. Mm-hmm. Finally reaching the mountaintop in 2009. And it's one ball and two strikes to him. Loosen on it first All base. Right. Here's the stretch uh, by Coleman in the pitch. So I'm He's striking out, and the Tigers have won the two. All right, so they go on and on. Then he signed by Jim Hendry, drafted by the Cubs, yep. and then, you know, they didn't say, well, Theo then didn't want him. And... They couldn't afford him again this year. So, okay, all right, I forgot about it. So now it's the first inning, right? Uh-huh. And you know who the leadoff man is? DJ LeMayhew. Uh-huh. There we go. Yeah, so first inning. Now I'm walking to the Union Station. I'm listening, right? And this happens next. 3-1. Swing and a high fly ball. Well struck right center field. I'm Bradley no. Beck at the track, no. at the wall. No. Gone! Into the bullpen in right center field. DJ LeMahieu will touch the ball. Lead off, Homer. His 16th of the year. The yeah. Yankees strike first. One to nothing, New York. All right, so I go, okay. So then uh, the next time he comes up to bat, this is Saturday. Okay, this is what happens next. Sale is ready. Here comes a 2 1. Swing and a liner, right field. Bet's going back, turning and looking and out of here. LeMahieu, his second of the day. And the Yankees breaking it open. It is now 7-1 to one New York. D.J. LeMahieu, what a year he has put together. Yeah, three-run homer. Back-to-back homer. Yeah, but see, those were all the ESPN call. And I played, yeah. it, I played it on Sunday morning. I played the call from the Yes Network. It was Bob Costas and one oh. of the New York Yankees color commentators. And after Costas called the home run, the first home run, he said, I'm glad you called this. He said, because we've been talking about D.J. LeMahieu all year because... DJ LeMay, he was the guy that hits the ball where it's pitched. He just puts his bat on it constantly. And I'm saying to myself, that's the kind of guy that Joe Madden is looking for. Oh my a guy that just looks to see where the ball's pitched. Can you imagine? He hits the ball where it's pitched. Oh. He doesn't worry about swinging for homers. He just puts his bat on the ball. Seven second basemen. They probably had seven leadoff hitters for all I know, give or take. All they ever needed was this guy. I'm not talking about him anymore, Fred. I promise. Well, there's an embargo at least till next Saturday. <laughs> but uh, Jesse this week 
I was going to ask him real quick. He says, you know what? I'd like to see the baseball season end September 1st. Uh-huh. I was going to bring that up, but we were so sidetracked with great Cubs talk. And he had his reasons. September 1st, he said, that's enough. Then the playoffs should begin because football's starting. It's all wrapped up then, you know, by the end of September, not right. the October stuff. And uh, I know you've always had an idea how to shorten the season. Well, uh, I'm trying to say, I mean, you, you can play like 146 games. You play everybody in your division 19 times. That's third, so let's see, 38. I got to figure it out. 76. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, that's 76 games. Then there's 10 teams remaining. The other two divisions, you play each one seven times. You play some day-night doubleheaders. 146 games. Yeah. And this way, you don't have to worry about all this other stupid interleague play and all the other stuff. You shave you just off play, a month. Go back to playing American League and National League. Shave a month Get off the schedule. Get rid of the interleague play. I know. Hey, I love baseball, but you know what? You have to adjust sometimes. Murph and Fred with some... Oh, I want to thank our guest today, Jesse Rogers and uh, Dan Wiederer, talking Bears... Uh, uh, Hope you're having a great day. Yeah, Sean Davis, all of his help as hey, always. Sean, I'll be thanks. back tomorrow right after Black and Abdallah. They're out at 8. I'll be out at 10, 10 to 12 tomorrow talking Cubs and uh, maybe a little bit of White Sox if they can decide to hit the ball a little bit. Murph and Fred said, thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. Ian Happ, you're the key. <laughs> See you later, everybody. Hey.